The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 78 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Kalati at Gelati LOL on Twitter. With me tonight, we have John George at the Esports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. And joining us at some point will be Chris Chung uh, at Prime LOL, but uh, I think he needs to level up his cooking or something because he might have set his house on fire. We don't know yet. It's it's a It's a... It's a it's a fluid situation here, so uh, I'm just kidding, of course. But yeah, he should be joining us in a little bit. Uh, so we have the first round robin of the main event group stage for Worlds, all you know under our belt. We finished that up this morning. Uh, probably the most interesting day was today in terms of results. Uh, so what we're gonna do is we have a couple listener questions we're gonna get to, and then we're gonna you know go over just our thoughts on you know just our gen- general thoughts on the first round robin. Uh, Surprises, disappointments, players we players to watch that we think you know maybe overperformed, underperformed teams, etc. Um, then we got a couple of bigger picture points, and we're gonna go right into the second round robin, which starts on Thursday morning. So only one day break in between. So, um, yeah, I guess I, I'm trying to think of where we start on this. I guess we'll do listener questions, and then we'll then we'll dive into to recapping. I guess because some of these kind of tie in. So. Uh, we have one from Gaucho Loco Three or Gaucho, Gaucho. Yeah, it was Gaucho Loco Three. Says, do teams care if they're number one or number two in their group? Would teams mess around or not show anything crazy if they're locked into quarterfinals? Uh, so the the answer to this is it, number one, number two does matter, but every team treats this differently. Uh, I think this is one of those things we always talk about at the end of the season how. In our heads as viewers, we want them to care about this or want them to do certain things and be like, oh, well, you know, they, they want to try to get number two so they don't get paired against this team or whatever. Like, most of the time, teams aren't thinking that way. They're just thinking win. It's just like traditional sports, right? Like, they're just going to go out there and try to win the game. Because once you get into all that, like, it's a weird headspace to be in and it's just a bad, you know, way to go about things and you can get too cute and get yourself in trouble doing that kind of thing, too. In this case, one and two actually matters. So... Whoever qualifies number one out of groups cannot face another one seed in the first round of the knockout stage. So if you win group A, you can't play any of the other group winners. You will only play number two seeds, not from your group in the first round. So we have a separate drawing uh, after the group stage is over. So it'll be all number one versus number two, and number one will have side selection for all of those, etc. So having the number one seed does matter quite a bit because it means you're avoiding a winner from the other group, which is presumably one of the better teams in the tournament. So, yeah, I think just in general, I don't think... I think teams are trying to win these games. I don't think they're trying to hide anything or sandbag unless... Like, unless a team is has, like, five wins and they can't lose first place or something like that and the other team is could only get to four wins with a win, then maybe they play something really vanilla, but that doesn't come up very often. Most of the time, the game matters and you have to win it. So, 
Yeah. You guys yeah, have I any thoughts on this one? These, yeah, I just uh, I think most of these teams are treating this like we're going to have to go through who we have to go through if we want to win the world championship. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think most of these teams would feel that differently about a semifinal and a quarterfinal. So you know if you if you got to beat Damn One Gaming to win the tournament, you got to beat Damn One Gaming to win the tournament, or you got to beat the team that beat Damn One Gaming to beat the tournament to win the tournament. So it doesn't really do you that much good, I don't think, to like dodge Damn One in the first round of the playoffs. Like you're going to have to beat them anyway if you're going to win the tournament. I think that's probably how most of the teams are looking at it. Yeah. Josh, any thoughts on this one? No, I would just say, like you like you said. Um, even in the traditional sports world, this is often just like an overblown narrative. Like people don't don't really care all that much about who they're playing. Um, like you, you mostly just want to. Every, everyone, if you talk to like any coach of anything, they'll always say, "We're just focused on this week or whatever it is. We're just focused on this game. We're taking one game at a time, one play at a time, whatever it may be." So that's that's really what they care about. If anything, it's going to be up to the coaching staff, and it may just mean like, sure, we're not going to pull it out. You know, the, maybe they don't run out of Nocturne mid again, get more, something like that. But, um, you know, little stuff like that. But it's not like they're just going to not try in the game or anything like yeah, that. Exactly. Um, uh, next up, we had, uh, thank you for the question, Gaucho Loco 3. Um, Big Kev asks, uh, how are you all feeling about your pre tournament pick to win after the first week? I'm feeling pretty good personally. <laughs> I had Dan well, one for those that don't know. I had JDG, and I don't feel too differently. Their yeah, one game that they fine. lost to Dan one, it felt like they were pretty much dead like about three minutes into the game from, in, from a failed invade. So it's hard to really tell how they do in that matchup, and then they looked good in their other two games. So, yeah, not not uh, haven't changed much, uh, my opinion, really. Uh, I'm starting to panic a little bit. I had G2, and if you remember, I went on a long tangent about how Caps – uh, carry is alive and well. Uh, John made a thread about it today, and I'm sure we may even end up going into it, but it does feel really bad. The meta has really shifted away from mid laners mattering a, a, a huge amount. Um, part of that is just the fact that teams are being forced into like suboptimal mid lane picks that are AD champions. Like realistically, there's not really any good AD champions that you can play mid. Lucian's like the only one really. Yeah, Lucian and then like maybe Yasuo is like okay. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, not great. So like a lot of these teams are ending up being forced into the champions because a lot of the AP carries in the jungle are just super strong right now, be it, you know, Evelyn, uh Karthus, who we haven't seen yet, but I'm sure um even seen some Gragas and uh Lilia in Italy. Yeah, uh, yeah, in Italy. So so a lot of these mid laners are being forced into champions that they just can't take over the game on anymore. Um and I think that's a really bad thing for G two specifically. Who's, uh, there's been a lot of talk about it from <clears throat> the LEC, LEC casters and whatnot, but it really is true. Like their play style is for Yankos to assist lanes. And this meta is not suited to that right now. And, and it's kind of unfortunate. Um, but it's, it's a much better suited meta to these other teams with jungles who, who are more accustomed to playing these carry picks. Yeah. I will say this, like G2, you know, they're, you know, like a duck to water here. Like they're 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 doing. They are playing the meta, and they look pretty good. So it's not like this is. I I think we talked about this going into the tournament. G two. I think like G two and Fnatic, and then like kind of a fringe case that is you know debunked now with Talon, assuming they were going to be able to play with their emergency subs. That's obviously not the case anymore. But 
to me, G2 and Talon had, like, the widest range of outcomes of any teams in this tournament. Like, nothing... It, it almost feels like nothing would surprise me with these two. Because, consistently, the meta doesn't look good for them. Or they have this, like, weakness that can be exposed. And sometimes they just learn the meta. And it's no longer a weakness. So, and or, other times, they just have some creative solution for it that works for them. And then some other times, they are just, like, good enough to outplay it anyway. Right? So... The thing with G2, and then uh, there's the other case where they do just get bodied and they look terrible and, you know, the meta was bad for them and it is what it is, right? They, these are world-class teams we're talking about here. So, I actually think G2 look like they have a solid grasp on things, even if it's not what they want to be doing. They're not, like, in other words, like, I, I, th I look at a team like Liquid, right? And we're going to talk about them more in a little bit, but, like, Liquid to me have very clear, FlyQuest is another, another one, they have very clear, very distinct... Uh, discrepancies that you can take advantage of. Whether teams do that or not is a different question, but they should, right? You know, if, if you have Solo, for instance, like Solo doesn't need Solo isn't going to play a carry. Like the closest thing to a carry he's going to play is like Renekton or Gangplank, right? And if you know that you're not under threat of him playing anything else, then you can draft a certain way, and all you need to do is not give him more. And are you listening to me, Unicorns of Love? Don't. <laughs> All you need to do is not give him Warren, and then you can, you know, or 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 give him Warren and counterpick it. Like it gives you so much versatility from both sides of the draft. Uh, you know, another liquid, right? We're gonna talk about Broxa in a little bit because I think he's been really good this tournament. But Broxa clearly does not play in Italy. Like he just doesn't. He didn't play it in playoffs. He didn't play it all summer, and he's not played at this tournament. So from both sides of the draft, they need to ban it or let it through and have an answer to it. And in my opinion, whether you like the champion or not, she's one of the power picks right now, period. And if you can't play her, that's a gigantic dis you know disadvantage that you have in every single draft, right? So G2, to me, don't look like they have that kind of big draft weakness. We kind of know in the back of our heads what we've seen, but we also don't know what they've been working on. It looks like they're up to speed, I think. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think Josh, you kind of uh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, I mean, I agree. They they know the meta. I'm not arguing whether or not they know the meta and they will conform to it. It's that it's not conducive to them winning yeah, the tournament. I think that's fair. Uh, so that and that's what concerns me about my pre my you know my pre tournament pick of them coming through as a sleeper pick was. Based on the fact that mid lane was really strong at the time, and, and Caps is a phenomenal mid laner, and um, I think it it may not end up mattering all that much yeah. is is the main thing. So the, I guess let's let's unpack this a little yeah, bit yeah, and say right. like if if this is a downgrade to a team like G two, who is it an upgrade to? I know the first one that pops to mind for me. It's, I mean, exa it's exactly the script we said going into the tournament, yeah. right? Is Sooning right? Yeah, I was just going to say Sunning playing through AD carry and playing through top, which seem to be what most of the teams are doing, or the, what's working well. Here's here's my question to you, Jelani. So the game is is in theory balanced, League of Legends, and obviously some champions will stick out as being like slightly overtuned or whatever. Is it really that bad to just go? You know what? We're just going to play Sawani. Like they're going to play Nidalee, and we're just going to play Sawani because our play style is better with Sawani. And even though she's not as overtuned as Nidalee is, we work better when we have a Sawani, not when we have a Nidalee. Yeah, I think there are certain spots that you can do that, but it, it kind of has to do with the specific champions involved. 
Uh, I do. I personally am an advocate for teams just playing what works for them, uh, especially if, especially I want to say like, especially if you have lower expectations because that's like a bad thing. But like, if you're not like one of these like truly elite teams, like top five teams in the world or whatever, right? And even sometimes we see teams like that just play like Mar- how many years did Marin just play five champions for his entire career? It didn't matter what the meta <laughs> game was, right? It can work. It's just you better show that it can work because if it if you're doing it as a stopgap, that's not good. If you're doing it because you're so good at it that it makes a difference, that's fine. Sejuani specifically, I, I think has a lot of issues right now and that she just can't keep pace with any of these junglers, any of them. It just seems like, you know, when when you see these patches and they say, like, you know, we're buffing Nidalee, we've added 75 damage to her rank 2 spear. Like, that's what the patches look like. And then they're like, oh, so she's going to be stronger now. Does 75 damage on her rank 2 spear yeah. really make it so you just can't play anybody else in the whole meta? Like, no. that's how the teams treat it. But it, it really seems like you should just be able to say, you know, it doesn't have to be Sawani, but... We're going to play a champion that fits the style that we want to play, even if they're slightly undertuned versus these other champions. Yeah, I, I do. So, Go ahead, Josh. I, was, I actually have a point to that. So, like, I think it actually, to us, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense at a pro level. Like, we, you talked about it actually, like, way back when, John, I don't know if you remember, like, in January, when this when the split first started. Like, we saw specifically, it was fun scaring you were talking about. We saw these junglers just going for plays that they used to be able to make that they couldn't make at the same time in the game, and they just weren't as strong as they used to be. And in in a pro game, like, how many times do we see people burn down to an ignite and they're literally, like, 1 HP and then they die? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they they calculate out so much. Like, I barely ever, like, think about, like, when I – if I'm playing solo queue, like, I might think about, okay, here's how much my X ability does and my smite does, and I can combo those. But, like – all these jugglers know this, like, all way ahead of time. So I do think, like, at that level, it does matter. But, like, at the lower levels, it doesn't. And, uh, like, my my personal anecdote to this is, like, currently in TFT, like, anytime there's a patch and a good champion or good comp gets nerfed, I just spam it right after the new patch because no one else will play it and I get it free. But then once you get to a certain level, like, you just it, – it, it doesn't work anymore, right? And so that's why I think that – it actually does matter in this in this pro style, but I would be interested, like July said, and like your proposal. I, I still think like these teams could just try out. Like it can't hurt, right? You know, like I think the the issue with talking about jungle specifically for this is so jungle is more so than any other role. I think you must be this tall to ride the role. If the best five junglers in the game clear at speed X. If you can't come remotely close to that, you damn well better have a good reason for not playing one of those because you're going to fall way behind, right? I mean, the right now, it's like once you get to level 9, you get the bonus XP and everything. So, like, once you get past that, they just fly past you, and you're never, ever going to catch up. So if they beat you there, you're done. You're going to be 2, it's 3, 4 levels like, down. Because the, the junglers we're seeing right now is, like, Nidalee and Graves, right? Like, those are the Nidalee power farming. Yeah, we're, we're going to go through the jungle and get super farm on our Nidalee and Graves or whatever. But even, like, even if those champions are, like, say, 75 CS ahead of you, like, just destroying you, they still don't provide any CC. They don't gank lanes as well. You know, even if they're ahead of you by a decent amount, they're a level ahead of you or whatever, isn't isn't there still a trade-off with the fact that I'm playing a CC tank and you're playing Nidalee? Yeah. Like, yeah, so you, you're a little bit stronger than me, but I still do things that you don't do. Yeah, it's it's more just an issue of you... A lot of teams don't ever want to be playing on the back foot 
because ge- I think generally it, sometimes it's fine. Like if you've got you know Norn on your team, you can play on the back foot a little bit. But like generally speaking, you don't want to be playing from a position of weakness intentionally. Like ever, it's almost it's just a bad way to operate because you're kind of like bringing yourself down to forty eight percent, so to speak. Like from the get go, you're opting into that. Now, if you don't have any other choice and you're forty percent to win anyway, then that forty eight percent might be better. But that's why we saw like with Talon playing like the Echo Set combo. That's like it's it's annoying as hell. It's a solo queue strategy. It's annoying as hell. The set mid can be good, but it's not really the, the reason you don't see Echo very often is because the clear is extremely slow, right? It's not like so slow like some of these older junglers, but like it's it doesn't match up to those top five. And when you don't have if when you don't have the clear speed to keep up, you get behind in levels, and levels are worth a lot more gold than people think. And if you're not keeping up in levels, you need to have a good reason not to. Now maybe Sejuani's a thing. I think there I think there are certain jungle picks that I think are better than people are giving credit for right now that we're just not seeing very much. Just because of you know, you're not gonna ban all, all five of these junglers every single game, right? So I think there's a lot of like I think like Kha'Zix is pretty good, Trundle's pretty good, and we're not seeing those, right? Because Trundle doesn't do well against the range. A, a lot of a lot of the jungle pool jungle is always the weirdest role. Jungle and support, and ironically they're the two that like are defining the game more than any other right now. They're the weirdest roles because they typically are kind of dictated by what else is good and not the other way around. So, like, if right now you have all these mage junglers, all these fast clear junglers, specifically all these range junglers, which is an important aspect too, because that's the case, there's certain other jungle that That's the main reason you don't see Trundle very often because you just can't deal with these range champions, right? They can kill him 1v1, they can get through his pillar, they can kite, you know, cut him out, and it's just less effective than it would be against a melee, right? But So there's a lot of that kind of thing, there's a lot of that give and take where it's it's not necessarily because the champion's bad, it's because everything else is more optimal kind of situation. I kind of treat it like if you're, you know, uh, bring a magic reference in, right? Like, if you're playing like a tier 2 like deck in Modern or Legacy, right? Like, it can be fine... If you've played it and you're exercised on it, maybe you can get that up to like a 51% win rate over a huge sample size or something, or you can run hot for a tournament, or maybe it's good for a day. But eventually over time, the optimal decks will grind you out, like will grind your win rate down, kind of like Vig. I think that's kind of of the case here, where where there's just such a risk involved with getting that far behind that even if hypothetically you could scale and you could like absorb a 3k gold disadvantage to make it worth it in the end... There's so you're that's a really delicate balancing act, right? Like it's there's so many things that can, that that's assuming you can play perfect defense. That's assuming there's a lot of things you need to assume for it to go well. When in you could just play the good champions, right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just biased because I I feel like like CC wins games. Like I've yeah. always felt that way. Like having CC just wins games. Like ninety percent of games come down to team fights around Baron and Dragon. And CC is better in those team fights than Graves in Italy is, yeah. and so I just feel, I wish that teams would be more willing to just say like you know what you can beat me by fifty farm, but when that dragon fight happens, I got three forms of yeah. crowd control that you don't have. Yeah, the the real the real issue with it is like they're 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 beating you by fifty farm and three levels. So if they're level eleven and you're level eight, you're going to be three levels down until you're level eighteen. Yeah, until you get hit by the Sawani ult, and the yeah. team just kills you immediately. That's true too. That's true. <laughs> no, no, I'm just I, you know, I you, so I, do. Do you understand what I'm saying though? Is that, yeah. Did that communicate that clearly, right? Okay. I think I think the other thing though that to, to John's point uh, that we can't that we shouldn't overlook is that it does open up more in the draft, especially like specifically to the support role. Like if you don't have to stick your support on Leona, Nautilus, uh, Thresh, 
Like, these are all good sports, right? But mm-hmm. seeing good mage sports, we know that Lulu's good. We know that Soraka's good. We know that, you know, even like Janna and Nami have their place, but we never see these champions. Hell, Tom Kench is basically a mage support if you think about it. Like, right. Yeah. And, and like, I do think that not having to only rely on your support to be a frontline tank CC bot, you know, I, I think that opens up things in the draft that teams should be exploring. I just think, I don't know. I, it's just kind of always been a thing that they, they, they're not willing to, to take these risks because of, you know, backlash, Reddit, whatever it may be. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I want my teams drafting Leona, Sawani, Malphite, Syndra bot lane. I just want all CC. So what's interesting about this is we have seen mostly from like the play in teams, but I'll, I'll throw LGD in here. Cause I think LGD, you know, kind of transitioning to like the next point we're trying to make here. We're going to like recap the first round, Robin, like and I'll kind of tie these two together. LGD have just been simplifying the game, right? LGD aren't getting cute. They're not doing any of this stuff. They're just playing like MF Leona, <laughs> put Peanut on whatever he can carry on because he's good at this shit, right? ZA on whatever. ZA's been having a hell of a tournament, by the way. He's been really, really good. And then yeah. just Volley Bear or Orn in the top lane. Have, like, you know, two frontliners, a bunch of CC, a bunch of AoE, keep the game simple, and then wait for your moment. Like, I think LGD are legitimately playing the best they've played all year. They look really, really clean to me. Yeah, it's an underrated strategy, man. I, like, I'm always the happiest when a team that I bet on is just taking a straightforward, we got CC and we got some damage, and that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, So I guess, like, really... We wanted to go over the first round, Rob, and just, like, our general takeaways. And Chris Chris Chung has joined us at Prime LOL. What's up, Chris? Hello, hello. Everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. Well, uh, pork <laughs> chop, delicate, delicate stuff. This is why I'm late. <laughs> pork chop. So we're going to, like, recap the first round, Robin. And I guess, like, I kind of I kind of frame this as, like, surprises, disappointments. Just, like, any, any takeaways that really stuck out to you guys. Um I kind of just touched on the one that for me that I I think LGD are literally playing the best they've played all year. I think Gen G have been playing very poorly, uh, even even excluding the nonsense we saw this morning. I think in their first two games they did not look particularly sharp, and still won fairly decisively. Maybe not against TSM, but yeah, excluding the nonsense we saw this morning, which was just the dumbest thing I've seen in a while. <laughs> um, not. To, Whose whose idea was it to not take a flash against Leona? And that that whole bot lane thing it was, was just so like, weird. We die, we walk back and fight and die. We instantly teleport back to die again. Like I mean, it, it, in the end, it it wasn't the it didn't end up being the absolute worst, but it was yeah. It, it was. was a, I mean, th- yes, I, I mean, I I said it on Twitter. Like I give credit to Gen G for even remotely getting back into that game because that game was over. That game was over, like, after they got back and died again. That was, like, that game's over. The bot difference, they're getting zoned off this way. They're going to be three levels down. This game's over, right? The fact that they brought that back with the comp that they did, I thought was really impressive. But, all right. I'm going to eat some hate for this. Can we please just chill out on Twitter about, like, oh, man, Genji's bottom lane got bodied. It's like, yeah, they did, because they didn't take fucking flash on Mercon against the Leona. Against other things, yeah, you can get away with that. Like, the Exhausting Night Recon is a thing, right? Not yeah, against I mean, that, where it's just literally press the Q and kill you. Like, just don't... Wait, but it, 
why would you discount it for that? If they, like you act like they didn't choose that themselves, that's a that's a conscious decision they no, made. No, it's a conscious decision they made, and they deserve criticism for it. I'm just saying that. I'm okay. saying there were a lot of people that were like, you know, for lack of a better term, sucking off the fanatic bot lane for that. It's like, look, they they get credit for taking what was given to them, but like, can we yeah. can we not sit here and say they completely bodied life and like wait till we see another game? I want to see they could do it again. I'm not ruling that out, but anyway. I mean, yeah. I, I, do, do you I mean, do you agree? You see? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm not trying to take anything yeah. away from. I'm I'm just trying to cool people. I literally saw people saying, "Oh my god, they bodied Ruler in life." It's like, yeah, they did in one game where he didn't take Flash. Like, right. <laughs> like what do you want? Like, I would say the I same mean, thing if it was going the other way. By the way, I would say yeah. the same thing. So, um, how about how about you I guys? Mean, like, what was your what was your big takeaway? Sorry, I keep interrupting you guys. Go ahead, you're, you're good. I'm on fire tonight. Just go. <laughs> you're good. Uh, I was going to actually say, I think Hillisang's looked really good yeah. so far. Um, he seems to be kind of like back in the, when we, whenever, before he was known as the inter. Pre-inter Hilly. Yeah. So. Fnatic have looked good. Yeah, they've looked good. Um, I think we, we, th- we touched on a little bit. I think Broxa overall has had the best worlds start to finish so far that I've seen. Um, maybe you could probably argue for someone on LGD as well. Um, although like, I don't exactly know who. Maybe maybe so she has been really good. Yeah, yeah, maybe she a. Um, but but yeah, I think Brox has looked pretty good. Um, it's kind of interesting and, and nice, refreshing to see T- Team Liquid uh, like playing aggressive at all, <laughs> like just actually doing things before like level twelve, level fourteen. Um, and. I know we talked about it earlier, but like teams that, that, that the new meta would really help. I think Team Liquid's one of those teams. Like their strength, obviously Jensen's really good. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, their strength is always going to be with, with their world champion support and, and world's runner up. Buffed impact, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, but, uh, well, and that was another thing. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it because you mentioned it about solo. Like G2 did that to impact. Yeah. And it didn't happen. So like what, what is your thoughts there? See, to me, Impact is a more versatile player than Solo is. Like, Impact can do a little bit of everything. I've yet to see that from Solo. Like, that. that's okay. why I think, like, I had questions about how teams are attacking FlyQuest in the draft. I have questions about how teams are attacking Fnatic in the draft, and these are, like, criticisms I have. And, like, to, to me, uh, maybe it, maybe they just prepare a vanilla game plan. I don't know how these team, each of these teams are going about things, but... It seems to me like a lot of teams are leaving a lot on the table in draft. Like, yeah, I mean, what was it? Who was who? Who did Fnatic face in the first game? I forget. I'm gonna pull it up right now. One TSM. They played TSM in the first game, right? If I'm TSM, why the hell am I letting Lucian and Evelyn through? Like, I right, look, you don't need to ban yeah, Evelyn, but why the hell are you letting Lucian through when it's literally the only thing they could win on in playoffs? Well, isn't it? You you've talked about this before, though. Like, isn't it just the power of knowing what's coming? Yeah, and you, the whole thing with Lucian and the reason it's a good ban is because you kill two, you kill multiple birds with one stone. Right. So leaving that open is basically saying, like, we don't care about it, and we don't care about this whole palette of champions that you can play. Now, a lot of those are playable anyway because they're just good, but you unlock stuff like Evelyn, you unlock stuff... Like, it just allows them, it allows their top lane to now play an AP of Vladimir or something like that. Uh, it allows their bottom lane to play something different. Like it just unlocks. That's the power of that pick. It's not obviously the pick itself is strong. The real power behind Lucian is that it's strong and it unlocks a bunch of different things. So to me, like letting it through is basically saying like we're better than you. 
And I don't think TSM are in that space where they could be saying we're better than you, Fnatic. So why did they let them have it? So there's been a couple of those in the, in this in this group stage so far. Like, yeah, letting letting Solo have his best champion and then not counterpicking it. Uh, I'm trying to think of another one off the top of my head, but there, there, there's been a couple of them where G2 against Liquid, like taking the first pick in Italy when they absolutely didn't need to because Brox doesn't play it. You could have taken something else there. You could have taken an Oriana or something along those lines, right? You could have taken away the Graves because you know he doesn't play in Italy. You could have played something else. Like these kind of these kind of things. I, I think there's teams. I, I don't know if it's just that they're preparing vanilla or not. That's I guess what's happening here. I don't know, but it, it seems like there's a lot of teams leaving a lot on the table, and it seems like there's other teams that are very very specific game planning for each team, right? So yeah, I don't. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, Chris, what do you think? What what have been your like yeah. <clears throat> biggest disappointments, surprises, players that have impressed you, etc. for for the first okay. round robin? Um, let me touch on the last point you made because that's something I talked about in the roundtable that I had. Uh, Aaron uh, from Riot, all right, Atomic, he mentioned that we're not really seeing the true meta for all the teams. Some teams are just holding back and waiting for this set of round robin to really show their uh, what their draft preferred draft. So we're seeing a little bit of playing around. So that gives me some understanding that these teams are still feeling each other out. Um, and some weirdness is happening. So hopefully they're more dialed in. The hope is that this next round will see more dialed in. As far as teams that impress, teams that disappointed, um, I'm going to say I am surprised by, I guess, Fnatic for just playing well. They haven't really, um, even in that loss, I think that they, they were competitive and they were really... Just not, uh, not, didn't look like the spring summer fanatic that we saw. A team that's really taking this tournament very seriously. I'm glad for them. I just don't know. Uh, they, they might, they're probably getting into the quarters if they keep this up. Uh, a team that really. I want to interject real fast because I forgot sure. to mention this before. How hilarious is Blipo on camera, by the way? Can we all talk about this for a second? <laughs> My man is literally looking like, he literally looks like a supervillain, right? He's like literally, he's like on camera. Like, laning, just out of nowhere, just busts out laughing for no reason. Like, nothing even happened, and he just busts out laughing. It's like, what the hell is this dude? He's having his coffee in the morning, I guess. I don't know. This is a marker of a strong mental person. <laughs> strong mental. Nothing can phase you. I don't know if that's always helpful. Um, <clears throat> I'm giving them a good chance, but they would they would need to be at LGD or Genji again to make that happen. And like you guys already mentioned, LGD is playing really well. They look nothing like the play-in team that we saw or the end of summer. Um, team that disappointed, I, I I guess UOL, I thought they would have had a win by now, at least one. Um, but it's not surprising. This is a team. This is their level. Um, I can't say that I'm just extremely disappointed by them, but it is certainly... Uh, I expected them to be better. Uh, yeah. John, what about you? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I'll say that the groups are exactly where I predicted them, basically. Like, not exact first and second seeds, but these are the, the top two teams in every group are the two teams I thought were getting out of every group, so it's been kind of straightforward like that. Uh, one of the big things that's, that's thrown me off is what Josh mentioned, is this move away from the mid lane as the priority position on the map has been really interesting. And almost to some degree, almost makes it seem like there's like some fraudulence here. Because there's a lot of teams in this tournament that got here because their mid lane is nuts. 
Uh, Machi, I think, fits that. I think G2 fits that. I think TSM fits that. There's a number of teams here. Rogue, all teams that kind of got here because the mid lane was the priority lane, and they have sweet mid laners that bodied everybody. And now, I don't even really know exactly what happened, but, like, mid lane is just not the priority right now. Like, Chovy is not having great scores. Knight is not having great scores. Uh, TSM's 0-3. Like, just in general, like, mid laners are not dictating these games at all for the most part, which is bizarre because, like I said, there's, like, a huge number of these teams got here because of their mid laners. FlyQuest, shit. Like, half these teams are here because their mid laners are nuts. So it's kind of giving an advantage to the teams that have something else going on. And I think that's really big with Damwon, with Nuguri, uh, that they got here kind of because of Showmaker. Obviously, Nuguri was very good as well, but Showmaker was a big part of it. But they have a backup, like another way to go. They can go Canyon and Nuguri. They don't have to rely on Showmaker to go nuts. And those are the teams that I think we're going to see performing better now are the teams that had good mid laners, but also have something else going on. Yeah, I think uh, I mean we mentioned it earlier. Like, I mean, this is kind of a direct buff to Suning and Fnatic, right? Because like the biggest question mark for both those teams was mid lane. And we said, to be fair, like we said that going into the tournament, like if mid- if this is a mid specifically for Suning, but it also applied to Fnatic, right? Like, if mid lane doesn't matter as much, or if it's a lot of like neutral matchups where. You know, if we get Azir versus Oriana or Syndra versus, you know, Syndra is a little different. She can kind of do a lot. But, like, if we're getting a lot of these kind of matchups where it's, like, not hyper skill intensive. And we've seen some of that. try. Like, Berkson tried the LeBlanc today, right? Like, we've seen some teams trying to break out and do that. But if we have a meta where that's the case, I think that's a direct buff to these teams. Not necessarily, like, a debuff to the other teams because the good mid later is just going to be good no matter what you do, right? But, like, Sooning, uh, to me, Sooning and Fnatic get a direct upgrade from this. And maybe to some extent JDG as well. Not that I think Yigao is any kind of liability or anything, but, like, I think especially Sooning and Fnatic, like, they're the two I'm looking at, like, you know, with a bullet here, right? Because this is exactly what we uh, said. A bit of a debuff to some teams, too. Like, I think DRX takes a hit, since I think Kovi was a huge part of what was going on for DRX. So, yeah, there's some teams that take a bit of a hit from it as well. Uh, other teams kind of survive it. Like, I think top esports survives it, even though Knight is clearly their best yeah. player. They have a good enough top and bottom lane that, that, that they're fine. I also think that, I guess we should mention this guy too, because I think 369's been... 369 over the... I mean, between playoffs and now is playing, like, the best I've ever seen him play in his career. He's been nuts this tournament. He's been nuts just in yeah. general. So, I, if, th- if he's playing at this level, this team is terrifying, because Jackie's just been destroying people. Of, like... Top were the other team that were, like, kind of difficult to prepare for. I did a lot of, like, draft prep and, like, mock draft prep for a lot of these teams. Damwon were the most difficult for me to prepare for, which is part of the reason why I think they're the favorite for me personally. Top were also very difficult because they're so versatile. They can kind of do with everything, even if they don't want to sometimes. I think if teams push them to do something different, they will, and that's kind of been the case here. Like, we've seen carry from 369. I, I Jack, if Jackie's just going to get – if they're just going to get Santa Tom every game, they're going to beat everybody. Like some po- at some point, someone's got to risk one of these other bands to see if they can do other stuff. I'm sure they can, but that's going to be a challenge for sure because they've just been destroying every lane combination they play against with that. So I think that's kind of a tricky spot. Um, yeah, Kev. Th- uh, oh, so we kind of like segued into this, Chris, on um, how are you feeling about your pre-tournament pick after the first week? Uh, like this is playing like John said, the playing out 
as expected, although the route w- there was a little bit different. We, I certainly pictured Team Liquid beating Machi not G2 to make it happen. But, yeah. um, neither there or there. Um, <clears throat> but we, we, we already predicted Talon's going to take a major step back because of the, they're going back to that, uh, roster. TSM was a bit of a, I, on the one hand, I expected it. On the other, is like, come on, guys, you gotta, you can do better. Just try yeah. something. Genji was one I, I think I would agree with you. I didn't pay too much attention to the sloppiness that they showed in the LGD game, but it would have been signal that either they're not as dialed in yet, or there is some issues. And I don't know. I mean, they're they're still competitive. This team can make things happen even with those mistakes, even with, the, like you mentioned, without the flash, they could have, they still made it a game. But at the end of the day, there was something that should be concerning enough for me to pay attention to and make sure that, you know, uh, I could have uh, prepared in DFS sense, yeah. like hedge with Fnatic, which I did. Yeah. Uh, but that was not because I saw the, the concerning things. How about uh, Dragon um, X, which was your pre-tournament pick, yeah. right? I'm worried. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very worried about this team. Even in the wins, I don't. I'm I'm taking a bit of a. I have to reevaluate. I don't see them playing at the. I don't I don't know if they can make semis if they continue to play like this. That's my kind of concern. They will get out of this group. FlyQuest unicorns. I don't think they'll challenge. But the next, uh, I don't know how they'll stand up to G2. I don't know how they'll stand up to them. I don't even know if they'll stand up to Suning if they continue to play like this. Yeah. It's definitely uh, Dragon X. I think have a lot of questions. Um, I know people kind of jumped all over Doran today for not playing the uh, the counter pick as out as well as it could have been played out. Uh, yeah, I think there was a lot of a lot of issues. Um, we're gonna get into the the slate in just a little bit, but yeah, I think Dragon X kind of have a lot of questions. Genji have the thing with Genji is like it, I find it really hard to believe that they don't at least regress partially to what they've been. Because they've looked very, to me, they've looked very bad, like relative to what we saw the entire calendar year. So, I don't know. I maybe they're just having a bad tournament. Maybe the travel got to them. I don't know. Or maybe this is just them playing very bad, and they're going to regress in some capacity to, you know, where they've been. So, do you? What do you I was going to ask. What do you think? Like, do you think Gen G falls into the bucket John was talking about of teams that? you know, get an indirect debuff because of this? Because, I mean, BDD was a smurf all Yeah, summer. I don't see the thing with the thing with Gen G and why I had them rated higher than Dragon X personally is because they don't have a weak lane. They just don't. They have five stud players, five players that can carry, five players that had 500-plus MVP points, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, all of these guys are complete savages, and they can like, – they and, and they've shown over the course of the year that they can play, like, any – any number of ways, any number of meta games, like they can do everything, which is part of why I rated them higher than Dragon X, who are more not even specialized, but just more different. Like they're just unique in a weird way. Uh, I just think top to bottom they're a stronger roster. So I don't know. I, I, are you worried at all that uh, like for me the thing with Gen G is I'm very I'm worried by their drafting so yeah. far. Uh, they they played the Gragas on day one. They played the set mid, which uh, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, right now, it seems like they're the way they want to play right now is not in line with like the way a lot of the other teams want to play right now, and they haven't looked good. So if you're trying your own yeah. thing and you're not doing what's expected, then I'm I'm a little worried. Yeah, there's definitely cause for concern with Genji. They they haven't looked, and even just like in like in the game, 
like even operating the comps they have, it's just looked not quite as sharp. That's been the whole. That's the the thing with this team all year long is that they've just been like crystal clean every single game. Like even when even when they lose, like they have clear clarity of intent. They're doing. They, they don't have weird games. Like that's kind of maybe that's why I like Gen G so much is that they they operate at like such a high floor, and it's weird seeing them not at that. I mean, I guess they are operating at that if if you know they had the thing happen this morning and they're still keeping that kind of game competitive. I don't. know. They've just looked off. They look like they're kind of in like some kind of weird funk or something. I don't know. This is a bit of a side note, and I actually I don't have the stats in front of me to know how accurate this is. But does anyone else feel like if you're not planning on picking Senna immediately, you need to ban Senna? That champion is like completely unbeatable right now, as far as I'm concerned. There's been very few Senna losses. I'm looking through it right now. There's been very few Senna losses, and all the Senna's that I've seen have looked just like absurd. Like the two Senna losses I've seen so far were Machi and Unicorns of Love, who we didn't really expect to win anyway. Yeah. But she, she's looked for me like underrated champion of the tournament so far. Well, this is the kind of so she's fifty fifty win rate. Um, I'm looking at who played her. All of her losses though are on teams that are huge underdogs to win. Yeah, I mean Gadget played it. Kramer has Kramer went one and one on it. Ghost Reckless won both times, and Jackie won three times. So I do think it's a strong champion because it kind of gives you that insurance policy, and it's good enough early on. Um, this is kind of just a consequence of what happens when there's so many jungle bans and everything. So I, I, I think that's playing into this too. Going into this, like it was interesting because there were like four or five eighty carries that I think were like the premium picks. Like I don't think any one of them was specifically like dominant over the other ones. Uh, we've seen a lot of Ezreal, which I think is probably needs to be put away to some extent. <laughs> Like I was gonna say, Ezreal was a is it versus Senna in particular is something that back in the day the Ezreals were winning lane, and now that people have gotten better at Senna, Senna wins the lane, and if Senna's gonna win the lane, that just feels really bad. Yeah, because it scales. You know, basically, it's not like literal damage scaling. It scales just as well like the full package, like the all encompassing. Yeah. That's the whole thing with Senna is that there's a lot of hidden power with Senna where it's. It's not just this, like, insane, like, Twitch, I'm going to fi- kill five people with my ultimate or Misfortune or, like, Cogmall where I'm just going to shred a tank down in two seconds. Like, Senna doesn't – there's not, like, a visual – I guess, like, a visual cue or, like, a visual, like, visceral, like, reaction to, like, holy shit, that's broken. But when you play against it and you realize that, like, you've been fighting a fight for ten seconds and their entire team is topped off, something is wrong with that, right? Like, that's – and that's kind of how she plays. So she scales in a different kind of way. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see if if teams maybe start handshaking these junglers more. You're already starting to see that a little bit, but I think that's going to be interesting for sure. Um, yeah, uh, I was going to talk about like not overreacting to a few matches as like kind of a bigger picture concept and not being too results oriented off of a three game sample size. But these are just kind of like markers along the road that we wanted to point out to everybody that like maybe it's cause for concern for this team maybe it's cause for maybe an upgrade a small upgrade ultimately with all of this in consideration we still only saw three games from each of these teams right doesn't mean anything we've seen the week two buff be a thing before so don't be all in convinced on what you saw in the first one unless there is like problems that you think are are more systemic so all right uh you guys want to go second round robin slate yeah, onto the slate. So, 
The second round robin is a little bit different than the first. Uh, the first they have a mixed day, a mixed day slate where it's a little bit of each group on each day. The second round robin they do the rest of the group game, games for each group on one day. So we're gonna have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday groups A, B, C, and D in a row. Uh, Thursday morning we open up with Team Liquid plus one or plus two forty four against G two at minus three twelve. Liquid won this morning on red side. Uh, which is kind of interesting. Maybe we wanted to touch on that a little bit. Um, Blue side's been pretty dominant this tournament. So maybe something to this one. Liquid, pretty big dogs on Blue side. Blue side's like a 62.5% win rate this tournament. So I thought it was worth mentioning. Not necessarily an end-all, be-all. Yeah. Liquid looks good this morning. What do you What do you guys think this time around? I do think they look pretty good this morning. I didn't think they looked particularly good in their first two games, so it's a bit of a like balance out for me. It's like, yeah, they if they play the way they played this morning every game, they'll probably be at least they'll battle, but I'm still not expecting them to get out of the group. You think lightning strikes twice, Josh? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, I think the meta fits them better. I don't think Perks... I, when's the last time you were impressed with a game Perch played at 80 carry? Yeah, I guess. It's been a while for me. And and that's, I think, ultimately going to be G2's downfall, uh, combined with the fact that, you know, J- Yankos is, again, I, I don't mean to say he's bad. He's not bad at these champions. He can play Nidalee. He, he did just fine on Nidalee. And he still understands how to play the map better than most junglers in the world. It's just the team as a whole – is not going to be as successful playing a strategy that is suboptimal for them. Yeah. Uh, which is what playing Italy is for them. G2's ceiling is capped, is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was a team that played set nonstop during the, the, the summer split, and that's because the type of champion set is. It's a supportive champion that allows his lanes to get ahead and just does his job setting up ganks and whatnot. And Gangos is really good at understanding lane states, understanding when to go and find ganks and whatnot, but it doesn't matter as much right now, honestly. Is, so you think you like liquid here? Blue side plus two forty four. Yeah, yeah I, give me the yeah, plus two forty four. I'll I'll take that all day, especially on a team that just won. Um I'm gonna be firing heavily on underdogs in the second round robin. Um I know we talked about, tweeted about, um, discussed in the Discord how heavily favorites were hitting, and it's just not an accurate representation. We talked about last week on here, like, you got to be expecting unexpected things. Like that, I mentioned it in my tweet this morning, but one of the reasons I loved this slate this morning is because I looked at it, and I didn't think at least 40 odds that any underdog was an unreasonable. Like, the reason I thought, even UOL against DRX, like, I was like, if UOL is going to win, DRX would be the team, other than FlyQuest. DRX will be the team to do it against because DRX will randomly just punt games due to their own draft errors, and UOL is ra- willing to pull out random stuff, which they did. They pull out the Carthus bot, right? So, um, yeah, I, I think that we can't fall into the trap of being like, oh, you know, top esports is just never going to lose. It's not that often that a team goes six and zero in groups. Yeah, it's really not. You know, same same thing with damn one. So I'm going to be pretty pretty interested in a lot of underdogs. I think. Anybody else thoughts on this one? I, I'm kind of torn. Like, so I'll, I'll put this to you, Josh, and I'll let you guys think on this a little bit. Do you think, like, what's the cutoff point? Like, where would you start buying G2? Like, how low does this need to go? Because this number has started to come down a little bit. It was like minus 350 earlier today. 
Uh, I wouldn't pay over like minus two hundred for G two. Wow. All right. So you you would pay like one fifty for liquid, give or take. Yeah, I, I would. I would honestly like. I think that given the meta concerns, like I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here. You guys can feel free to disagree. I don't think it's that far of a stretch to say tactical is better than perks at eighty carry. I don't think so either. And like we saw, Wonder put Impact in a body bag this morning, and it didn't matter. Maybe it was just because Captain on Jace. Maybe that's the whole crux of the issue is that he was on Jace, or or they gave Liquid Graves for whatever reason. Yeah, it could be that too. Um, but I don't know. I'm just I, I'm not willing to pay that much for for G2 at this point against Tia, who I you know I had high expectations. For. Do you think G2 is getting out of this group? Uh, it's it's suddenly very interesting, right? Yeah. So my my problem is like I don't really believe in SOFM. I don't either, Josh. Don't worry. Okay. You two are crazy. However, go on. Yeah, I don't know. So that's what's tough for me. Like, I was watching him. I don't remember if it was this morning. He, like, flamerized his opponent, but it didn't matter. Like, he just still didn't do anything. Like, the team won not because of him at all. So, like, I don't know. He just seems like a... Isn't that the Broxa uh, criticism, though? Uh... Yeah. Yeah, but Broxa was doing nothing. Like he, the team was winning, you know, without him inting, and maybe that's maybe that's all Sunni needs. But I'm just playing devil's advocate here, I guess. No, I, I don't disagree <laughs> with that. I just, just I don't know. I, it's hard for me to trust. So him. suddenly, <laughs> this is an interesting group, right? Was, if G- oh, I love this group. I think that is this group, group is this group more polarizing okay. than Group C for you? Like not polarizing. Mm-hmm. Like is this is there more parity in this group than Group C? I, I kind of think last year's shit. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't. I don't see what yeah. everyone else is seeing. I think Gemini no, looks I, I, really I, fucking good, and that's it. Yeah. Let's see. So Machi's worst they can do is one and five. So that means one team could hypothetically go five one, and the other two go three 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 three. Um. Dude, I just I like don't even see it. It's like they like three of them go four two. Is that even yeah, possible? It's, that's what I'm saying. Like this group's suddenly kind of weird, right? We could have like four two three 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 three. I have no idea. Like, maybe Machi steals one, another one, and go. Maybe we go two four four three 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 four two. I I have no idea, honestly. Like I don't know. It's just hard for did me. Did you to guys? Did you guys see the Machi liquid draft? Because like I I kind of thought. Those kind of comps are winnable. Like you can win with the kind of comp that Liquid had in that game, but like if you're not if you're not ahead and on the objectives first, you just auto lose. Like the game's over. And Gemini knew that. Gemini was just like, oh, I'm just gonna gank like twice early and put these lanes behind, and then they're not gonna be ahead, and they're not gonna be able to do these objectives first, and we're gonna win the game because of it. And that's exactly what happened. Like I actually think he's been more impressed. Mission. Everyone's giving Mission credit, but Mission's been playing plus matchups every game that he should be winning. I think Gemini has actually been like kind of the, the the good player on this team, like understanding where to apply pressure correctly in in a lot of the games. I think but the 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 praise for Machi comes a lot from their game against Liquid, and not necessarily because of like the drafts. I agree where Team Liquid had the kind of draft where they needed to win like very early. The thing was Machi destroyed them in every lane in matchups that like like they had Ezreal in the bottom lane against Caitlyn. Yeah. They, they out-farmed them by, like, 30 CS with very little jungle help. 
mission destroyed Jensen 1v1. So I think that's where a lot of their, like, their praise is coming from. But I agree that they didn't look that good in their next two games after, like, looking pretty exciting in that first one. Yeah. I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is like I'm trying because he played that was Sindra and Galio right or TF and Galio. It was Sindra and Oriana. Sindra so. and Oriana is a plus matchup for Sindra. Like she should win that, or she should have the agency in that every time. And eventually Oriana's better, but like to be fair, like again, like that's a winning matchup for him. Like he's had winning matchups, and he had he had Gemini had an early gank on him in that game too. That's what they got. I think they got first blood off that if I remember correctly. But yeah, I I, I just. I, I've watched Machi's games, and I see a lot of people like hyping them up because they like got that win, and because they've been like competitive in a couple of these games. But even the games they were competitive, and they weren't really competitive. They just looked competitive on the box score, right? They had no chance of winning these other two games. So I don't. I guess I don't see what everyone else is seeing. I don't think they're terrible or anything like that. But like, I'm just not getting any of like the the weird like oh you know they're a chippy underdog kind of team i'm not even seeing that i'm just seeing like they got they got gifted a draft in one game and gemini's been pretty good at understanding how to win the game and that's like like that's all i got for this team so anyway we kind of like i guess we'll just segue that into machi against sooning machi plus 331 against sooning minus 435 any love for machi here no bad it's a very tempting number but no bad I like. I'd rather just bet Machi against you two for better odds. Wow! So you, so you think Sooning's winning this group? I don't even like. So you could see them losing to like G two or something no, again. Like for, for me, it's, for me, it's all about price sensitivity. Yeah, here. that's fair. That's fair. I'm not even saying that Liquid is likely to beat G two, but plus two fifty effectively, they're, they're like that, right? Yeah, like, I, I'm just taking the number and like again, I think Sooning. Two are relatively equal teams. I think almost everyone kind of thinks the same thing right now. Um, and so I'll take the 15 points extra juice. Uh, you know, I don't know. That, that's just how I'm feeling and how I'm approaching. I think this these like this group's crazy. It's going to be a very, very fun day on Thursday. Okay. So, I mean, you're staying away from this or betting Machi, right? One or the other? Yeah, I think I'd stay away. Like, if I, like, I don't want to bet Sunning minus 435. Yeah. Or whatever their kill spread is, probably seven. I don't, yeah. I don't want to bet anyone left in the tournament at minus 435 ever. So, um, not an best of one okay. in, in Worlds. Any other, so. any other strong opinions on this one? I kind of think Sooning are just going to roll, but it's just going to depend on what the kill spreads look like. Yeah, no bet for me on that one. Machi, plus 346 against G2. G2 get the blue side this time around. Minus 450. I'm kind of with Josh on that one. I kind of feel like maybe you should bet Machi here at plus 346. That's just a pretty large number. I kind of thought that G2 was going to lose a game to Machi at some point, and that's like who I predicted them to lose to. I thought they would be, be very on like brand for them, right? Yes, I, I definitely thought that's what was going to happen. I, I kind of feel like the value is on Machi, but I don't think I'm probably going to actually end up betting it. They tweeted it too, right? They I said, saw like. That. Uh, it's just, I'm not losing Dude, the, the deep emergency. trolling by like Gen G and G2 has been too strong. Like their social media presences are like on fleek. They got this online. Like what was it? Gen G literally says like, "Wait till we smurf tomorrow. Wait till we troll tomorrow against Fnatic." And they go, "They literally did." Like I don't know what else to say. Like if this isn't, <laughs> if this isn't social media inting, I don't know what is. Okay, so. Chris, what do you think on this one? Any love for Machi, or is this just going to be a G2 slam dunk for you? Uh, <clears throat> so, 
I think there's even less chance that Machi can win if if G2 dropped their first game against Liquid, as Josh predicted, because they're in a very dire situation. They can't drop two back to back, and that's yeah. It's G2 is a better talented team. It's better execution. Um, drafts may not even affect the, the level of talent between these two teams. Is large a gap? I think uh, it's a no bet for me. Here's here's what I'll say specifically about this matchup. Like I said, I, I like the number, so I'll probably bet Machi. But I will say that like G2 is the type of team that I would expect a Machi to struggle with because of their ability to understand map presence yeah. so much better. Like at such a higher level that, that Machi just honestly doesn't get to practice against very often ever in their rogue region. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Liquid plus 232, Sooning minus 294. Sooning will get the blue side this time around. I'd like to rewind to like, you know, three weeks ago or like five weeks ago or like six weeks ago or like every week when we've had this pod, Team Liquid is the most disrespected team in the world. Are you seriously telling me that they're this much worse than Sooning and GT? I think they are personally. You're just killing me, man. I mean, listen, I think this, I think this is too large a number to bet on the side of Sooning. Yeah, like on the money line anyway. I'll probably this kind of kill spread is probably like five and a half, and I'll probably take that. Yeah, I I think Sooning. I kind of had this like I don't know like a, like a, like almost like a trading plan with Sooning, right? Where if the meta was X, they are upgraded. Period. This team, if you outside of Angel, this team is this team is a world class team. They're ridiculous. I know you don't like SOFM, SOFM that much, but like the bottom lane and Bin with like. Okay, maybe. All right, so you don't think Russell like a, like a true elite world class jungler? Do you think he's like the next tier down? I think that's fair. Like, even if you're bullish on him, like, do you think he's like the next tier down, or do you think he's just too weird for you to? Uh, so, like, of of world's caliber junglers, like, I guess who would you say is his closest out? Like, I think Karsa, Clid, Kanavi, Self, Kanavi. Canyon are all better for sure, and then it gets maybe questionable. But like, so I guess like, how would you compare him to? Like, how would you compare him to Clint? I think you think he's better. I think he's pretty close. Really? Okay. I I would say that's that means you're higher on him than I am. Yeah. I don't think think either of those two are playing that well. The the point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make here is: Do you think he's like in the conversation for like the next year? Like he's in that next yeah. year, right? Here's the thing. Okay, so if- I got a big elephant brain, and I remember the SOFM was one of the worst junglers in the LPL for two straight he years, was? and then for one split, he's been pretty good. And then this last like set of games, his fantasy points in his last two wins are 13 and 17 in dominant Sunning victories. Like he just has he doesn't even have kill participation in these games. I think SOFM is being like way overhyped. That lease in that tank lease in the other day was trash. If that game was closer, they were going to get stomped because he was a garbage, worthless tank lease in. I think. I don't know. I'm 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 out on SOFM. I think he's one of the best junglers in the world. I really do. John SOFM or Yankos at this point in time. So that's the problem. Is Yankos is way better, but he's not good in this meta game. So like maybe you'd rather have SOFM right now, but I think Yankos is a much better player. SOFM just plays champions that are better right now. I think he's been good all year long. I think the champions that he plays are the best champions right now. Like, all of his best champions are the best right now. I think he's way better positioned. 
I think, you know, he's held a top 10 Korean solo queue challenger rate the entire season, despite being on a team that's been middle of the table. Uh, you watch his play. He's honestly the second half of the season. He hard carried the Sooning team, him and Ben like put the whole team on their back. Right. I think maybe he's not quite the level of like the true elites. Right. But I think he's like right there right now. I think he's in that conversation. So to me, even if you're bullish on him and you put him like clearly in the next year down, like a clear separation, right? This team is still like three elite players and uh, like a, an A tier jungler, and like mid lane doesn't matter. So like that should be an upgrade to this team, regardless of how bullish you are on SF- SOFM, right? Anyway, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Not not fair. specifically to like talk on this game. Like I'm not laying 294 on this, but I am interested in the kill spread. Like, I predicted putting to, to win this group for the record. Yeah. So even though I'm not a, a fan of SOFM, I had them winning the group. I think that's interesting. They're they're kind of the interesting team because I think like the situation sets up well for them to to make a run in this tournament. I think maybe they'll struggle with like the the really really good teams, but we'll see. Uh, Chris, Liquid Sooning. Uh, I think if Liquid has a shot, they have to win this game. I like this number enough to say I'm taking Liquid here. Okay. I think that's fair. I do think it's close for what it's worth. Like, I'm not laying the money line on this. I don't think it's that definitive, but I respect Liquid more than that. I'll say that. Like, I'm not laying the 294 money line in this situation. Um, Liquid minus 175 against Machi plus 146. Liquid are the blue side this time around. Do you think Liquid are going to make the same mistake again? If they don't make the same mistake again, how do you handicap? How do you handicap this game? This is one of those games I don't like betting ahead of time because this is we don't know what the situation is going to be going into this yeah. game. Liquid and Liquid and Machi might both be eliminated. Yeah, coming coming into this coming into this game, in which case I think there's like I don't really want to take minus one seventy five if they're eliminated already. Uh, but if they're not, I think 175 is value for Liquid. Like, I think they should win this. But if if they're already eliminated, I, I don't want to play it. So I'm probably just going to pass. I'm the same boat as you. Josh? Yeah, the the meme has gone too far, that NA is wildcard region. Yeah, the book It's killing yeah, me. I agree. I agree. I, th- I, th- I think if Liquid are not eliminated, they're, this is an awesome spot for them. No, TSM is the only one that's a wildcard region team. All the rest of them are legit. Chris, any anything else to tag on here? And they first seed, right? Um, I think John makes a great point that if they both are eliminated here, I'm just circling this game for the DFS. Now we have an interesting DFS conundrum right now with all the new format setting, and this could be uh, a wrench in my plans right yeah, now. Let's finish this but, group uh, up and then we'll mention that because I, I do want to go into yeah. that a little bit because I think it's it's definitely interesting, and you guys are all specialists. If Okay, so my take is if this is really truly the Liquid's last game, they don't they're not getting out of groups. Uh, I don't even care if you think Machi at this point, but it, so you have to pay attention to what happens in the first two games. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't like the number enough to take Liquid either way. Uh, potential last game of the day, barring any tiebreakers. Sooning minus one hundred five, G two minus one fourteen. Sooning get the blue side this time around. The first game between these two was an absolute slobber knocker. Like for better or for worse, it was it was a hell of a game. <laughs> it was a game of League of Legends. I'll say that. Um, good things. Uh, I, I I honestly look the way I looked at that game was Sooning probably should have won it and they screwed it up for themselves. But I also think that it was kind of impressive that those fights were even remotely close later in the game. 
So props to them on their Lee Sin and Renekton acumen. Or uh, not acumen, uh, ability, I guess. Expertise, I suppose. Uh, well, hold on now. Now listen, now, now listen, now listen. G2, <laughs> G2 won the game. They, they... I mean, G2's comp sucks in late game Yeah, not fights. with Ezreal against Lee Sin and Renekton. Ezreal can't die to those two champions. The other team has Cinder and Ash, and your carries are Twisted Fate and Ezreal. That's like a terrible team fighting comp for later yeah. in the game. I think that's fair, I guess. I don't know. I I just thought they navigated it pretty well. I think G2 definitely deserved the win. Like, they won that game straight up. I'm not taking anything away from G2. I just thought maybe Sooning probably could have did more with what they had, and they didn't. So maybe a knock against Sooning there. This time around, what are we thinking? I'm probably passing this. I think this is a 50-50. I actually love Sooning here. Really? I think that uh, it's situational, though. I really like Sunning because I think this game is going to be to decide who comes first in the group. And I think this is exactly the kind of game where G2 usually messes around and, and tries something weird and doesn't, like... I, I don't think G2 cares if they come first or second at all, and I think this is the kind of game where they would maybe hide something or try to play something a little weird. That's what they do all the time in the LEC, and it would make sense for them to do it again in this matchup where I think Sunning will take it very seriously and try to get first seed. So I, I kind of like Sunning here. I kind of like, is blue side worth 15 cents? Because they were plus 110 last time. I think the blue side doesn't make a difference in this whole tournament that I've been trying to pay attention to. So 15 cents? I don't know. That, that, I'll leave I that like to you guys. I plus money on this. I want to I wanted the same line again, or something close to it. Feels bad laying 105. I'm with you, John. Like I think Sooning win this time around because I don't. Know, I I really do think it's the problem is like you're not getting plus money on it, so it's like not value on the underdog, so to speak, in a 50-50. I do. I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna have to do some soul searching on this one because if I really do think Sooning are that much better, then I should just slam this. But it does feel weird that it was plus 110 last time around. Josh, thoughts on this one? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Sunday was NFL day, so I didn't watch like any of the games. I've been taking the approach to worlds that I'm not going to lose sleep. So just whenever I wake up, I watch every game from then on. So like this morning, I just happened to wake up at three 30. So I watch every game, but, but, uh, I didn't see this, this game first time around, but I just looked at the box score and somehow SOFM was on the losing team and playing Lee Sin against Graves and only at 25 less farm which means he was just farming the entire game, which is consistent with what I saw from him today. Uh, and I actually think that that style of, of play can get hard punished by G2 when they're reviewed. Yeah. So that makes me like G2 a little bit more in the spot. And I could be completely wrong. That's, again, just literally judging based off the box score. But when you see Lee Sin losing to Graves by 25 CS in a losing game, that's not a good sign to me that he was heavily I'll involved in ganking. That game it was, it was at the very least, it was the, it was, it was the most entertaining game of the tournament. Also, yeah. also just interesting in how these two teams played out. Like again, like they didn't, they didn't win, but like watch how, watch how like these full build team fights, like these late like thirties and 40 minute team fights, like watch how like a, these like LPL teams that play Renekton and Lee all the time navigate these fights. I was like, how the hell, how the hell were these even close? These champions are so shit at this point in the game. I'll say it. And I'm Mr. I'm Mr. Pro Renekton here. Right. There's the difference, right? Like, they just, I don't know. They found ways to make it, it remotely close that it shouldn't have been. So, um, yeah, definitely, at the very least, watch that game because it was, it was awesome. It was a fun game to watch. So, uh, 
So what are we at? 105. Uh, do you guys want to talk about the DraftKings slate, like the format they're doing for this one? Yeah, sure. I can uh, I can go over it real quick. Um, FanDuel has been doing this for a while, uh, so people that play on FanDuel will be will be used to it. Uh, they're putting all the games that are going to be played that day into one slate, basically. So if you play a G two player, you get their scores from all three of G 2s games. Um. The long and short of that, uh, which I'll, I'll go over more in my videos at the esports department, if you're uh, not a member, the long and short of that is you just need people that are going to win for the most part. Um, there can be some upside on FanDuel. They force you to play three teams, so you can't just stack the two teams that you think are going to win. You have to play a third person or like a third team. Uh, but historically, it's kind of 50-50 between whether you're better off playing like a, a one-off from somewhere else or just play the 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 full stacks of the two teams that you think are going to win. So, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's an interesting new format uh, that, like I said, for new for DraftKings, not for FanDuel. But, uh, yeah, come on down to the esports department. Watch my video. I'll break it down more for you. Here's here's what I'd ask. How high would – or what number would you bet Mashi to go 03? On Thursday? Yeah, would you bet Mashi to go 03 on Thursday at minus 150? Probably. Yeah, that's that's right about the right range. I, my mind went to even money. If you gave me even Just money, like I, would, I would take it. Head, yeah, probably. Anything better than that? Yeah, for sure. But so uh, the reason I ask this, this is how you need to approach that slate. You need to think, what are the odds of each outcome, right? Um, and you need to play it out in your head. So if you think it goes 0-3-1-2-2-1-3-0, you need to identify those teams and identify which are the game environments in which, you know, the certain things will happen. Because if Team Liquid goes 2-1 and one of their wins is against Machi, who's traditional, you know, has been a lower scoring team, a slower paced team, as is Team Liquid, that may be slightly less valuable than, say, Suning going 1-2 and two when their one win is against G2 or their one win is against, yeah, say, yeah, we'll just use that as an example. Or the or vice versa, whatever. And their one wins against G two, which we know is going to be a higher kill environment. And their other one, and their or one of their losses is to G two, in which they could have actually had more kills than TL did in the win over Machi. So th- those are the things you need to be thinking out, and in slates like these, because it, it really will test you to to predict before the slate starts who's going to get what today. You know, what's their records going to be? Chris, any thoughts on this one? Um, it really. Uh, goes along the same line. You want to stack, and it makes it easy to predict like where the ownership would go for DraftKings because of how the format is set up. But uh, you can be creative. You can certainly uh, try to mix and match some uh, players around. Maybe even try to support Captain. I know nobody likes that one for some reason. <laughs> one of my favorite strategies. But um, it's new to me, and I think I feel more as student than rather than uh, someone who can talk um, confidently about how to prepare for this slate, so I'm I'm gonna test it out and see how how far I can. All right, um, yeah, definitely definitely interesting for sure. I, I took a brief look at it today. I was like, this, I'm gonna have to put some more thought into this one because it's could go any number of different ways. But I, I think what Josh said has a lot of a lot of poignancy here. Like, think about tell yourself a story, just like you do with like a lot of like these like four and five game slates, right? So. 
All right. Uh, group B on Friday, we have Talon plus 607 against Damwon minus 909. Uh, Talon gets blue side for this map. Where does... Are you not betting Talon here? I'm not getting in the way of Damwon. If I see a plus with a six after it, I don't give a crap. It could be your team, Jody, playing Damwon. I'm betting you. I swear. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not not taking a six hundred underdog. Kill spread for this game yeah. is going to be like twelve. I would, I'm more interested in that, and maybe like three quarters that, one quarter money line kind of situation. I think I'm kind of forced to take Talon. I definitely think they win often enough to make yeah. that to make that bettable, but I'm not excited about it. I don't know. I don't know, man. This is pretty bad. The power is going to go out on this day, and they have to restart, <laughs> throw no break. All kinds of crap will happen, and bam. I think Damwon's, like, wildly overrated right now. Like, they're very good, very, very good. Yeah. Top two, top top X team in the world, maybe top one, but I still think they're being overrated. Yeah. Like, people are treating them like they're, like, a 90% favorite yeah, against to, everybody. To me, like, they're what I thought they were. Like, I'm not upgrading them based on what I've seen in this tournament so far. Like... I think a lot of people blew up when they like dominated JDG, but like that, it's just the way the game is right now. Like I don't, I don't put any extra weight on that necessarily. What's up, Josh? Yeah, JDG played Jace mid, yeah, so they are who we thought they, yeah, they were. We thought they, they were, yeah. <laughs> they are who we thought they were. Um, Rogue plus three hundred four against JDG minus four hundred. This is a pretty big number for a respectable team in Rogue here. We didn't talk about Rogue. What, I thought they looked actually really good. And regardless of whether or not you think they win this and you, maybe you don't like the money line, I'll probably be taking the kills for either way because this is shaping up 300, usually about between six and eight and a half, somewhere in there. So depending, if, hopefully it's up around seven and a half, eight and a half. If it's there, I'll probably take the kill spread on Rogue. Um, but Rogue's look, you know, they don't look like a team. Uh, let's just say, Rogue could have came out and played like Mad Lions, and I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. At they all. don't look out but they, here at all. I actually think Finn yeah. has been surprisingly good too. Uh, not just like the Mad yeah, he, game, he's been, but he's been holding his own. He, yeah, I, I, I think Rogue. Rogue are just. We've been saying how long have we been saying? We've been saying it all summer. Rogue is good. They're just a good team. I'll probably take some Rogue here. I don't know. I, I, I'm with Josh. Like probably kill spread seven and a half, eight and a half range is probably pretty nice. Um, Chris, this is a very nice number, and I'm glad that Finn is stepping. Rogue would have been one of those teams to experience that debuff, right? Larson is their vocal point. Uh, yeah, they they certainly look like they deserve a spot at Worlds more than Bad Lions did, and that played out that way. Glad for them. I don't see it, but. I'm also not a better, so uh, for me, it's probably past. Fair enough. See, I'm not betting Rogue, and see, this is where y'all get exposed right here, because y'all are the damn one over Raiders. Because look at that next matchup. Rogue plus 466 against damn one. You really yeah. think you really think JDG is that much worse than damn one, that you'd rather take 304 I'm against JDG gonna take, than I'm going to take both. Oh, I'm just betting it on that damn one game. I'm not messing around with this JDG game when I can get Plus one sixty six better against an equal See, team. Now, keep keep talk this one out because I'm going to look at the kill spreads for these to see if there's that big of a gap. Go ahead, Josh. 
I already said. I already said. If I see, listen, honestly, if I see plus three, I'm probably throwing on it. If I see plus four, I'm definitely throwing on it. If I see plus six, I'm like a million percent. Like I don't even look at who's the team listed after. <laughs> Rogan plus four sixty six is stupid. Like people, like it, it. It blows my mind because people will come into this and they will bet damn one's money line. Like, yeah, throw up a parlay or something. Yeah, like we need to go back to the basics of, of esports betting that we talked about. These are best of ones, okay? We're talking about the 16 best teams, not actually the 16 best teams, probably close enough, 16 close enough, five, something like that in the world. No, I'm not. I'm not paying 700 to make 100. Any of these teams, I don't care how good you think Dan One is, how much better you think they are, and they are better than Rogue. I'm betting Rogue here every time. So- at plus sixty six, yeah, kill, kill spreads here are eight and a half, uh, eight and a half in the I wrote talent down, but eight and a half in the JDG game and nine and a half in the damn one game. I'll be on the kill spreads in both those situations for sure, and probably a little bit on the money line too. Because Ro- Rogue are good. If this was a case where, all right, so like to me, I draw the line of talent. Like as good as as big as that that number is, like that's kind of just like a pass. Because like, I, I really do think the gap is that big between those two teams. Like I don't I don't think Talon win. I think if they play ten games, Talon don't win a game on average. So I actually do think like that's an avoid. But it, I think Rogue are way better. I think Rogue look really really good to me. And yeah, I'll I'll take a shot on Rogue. I'm not taking a shot on Talon. I don't just like for me. I get what you're saying. It may, the the value of it makes sense, but I well, it's still a handicap. Yeah, but- like. If, right. if, but if Talon are what, like, what would you have put Talon's odds to go 06 before the tournament? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think if, if I think that Talon is capable of winning one game, then I'm agnostic to who the opponents yeah. are. Like, just because I think they're going to win one game doesn't mean that one game's against Rogue. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's the way I'm approaching it personally. Yeah. And if I think they're capable of winning even a single game, which maybe you don't, and that's, you know, that's completely fine. I just don't think I, – I, I honestly wonder how many times teams have gone 0-6 in groups. A fair amount. More than have gone 6-0. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Okay. So I'll say things working in town's favor in that one is blue side. Uh, one R3-0. Maybe they goof around, try to show something silly. The handicap on it is literally 90%. So I wouldn't have guessed this, but I just did some quick research. And last year, three teams went 06 in groups. Yeah. I actually did not even think that that was the case, but uh, I forgot yeah. about what was going on. So, wow. All right. Well, I, never I'm, mind. I'm avoiding the talent one. Like, because the other thing is you got to be careful too. Like, if you start firing, I mean, in this case, the number is big enough to justify like three of them. And like, worst case, you, you break even by four cents or whatever. Right. But like, if you end up in this mentality of like, you start throwing, you know, past a certain number, then you need multiple ones that go right a lot of the time. Now, this number's huge, so I get it. These numbers, all three of these numbers are huge. You're basically, this is basically like, do any of these teams win? I break even. And if yeah. I don't, then uh, I net a bunch if the other one, if the, if one of the other ones that I don't expect to win. Like, if Rogue beat Damwon or Talon beat Damwon, then, you know, you you net a bunch of money. So that's fine. Like, I, I, get, yeah. I get the thought process. I'm just, I'm picking my battles. I think Rogue are a good team that I'm willing to bet on. I'm not betting on Talon right now. I think Talon's... I liked Town before the tournament under the assumption that they'd be playing with the roster that they had, and they're not, and I think it's a big downgrade. So, Yeah. One thing I ask, like, I say this, but 
Just like that. Well, if he's frozen. He froze out. He's like, no, give me a sec. <laughs> wow, he keeps us, like, this is a cliffhanger. <laughs> this is too good. Josh. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to, I'll throw it to, um, we'll go to the next one and then we'll try to see what he was trying to make the point on. Tell him he's frozen. Uh, JDG are minus 625, Talon plus 445. I'm going to try to keep these rolling because. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where are we? Uh, JDG Talon? Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, no. I mean, JDG even has blue side. I don't know if, if I want to pick Talon at all for this one. I mean, this is the test, right? Like, this is the test of same the same thing for t- me. Test the same theory, right? Like, I'd rather take them against Damwon at plus six oh seven yeah. than against JDG. I just, I'm not buying Talon at all. I'll, Rogue, I'll put lottery tickets on. I'm not putting any lottery tickets on Talon. I don't think they're that good. Um. We'll catch up with Josh in just a sec. He knows he lagged out. He's he's getting back on now. Uh, Talon plus one seventy six against Rogue minus two seventeen. Now the first time, now the first time these two played, it was I mean uh, Rogue kind of had that level one cheese on Tank, and the game just kind of ballooned out of control from there. But like Rogue, Rogue kind of bodied them in that first game. Now I don't know how much. I, it's definitely going to be closer this time. Like they're not going to fall for a level one cheese again. Like there's just no way. But uh, still, I mean, based on what you've seen from these two teams in the other games, not that first game, I'm I'm almost throwing that one out because, like, if you just throw that game out and look at these two teams' body of work in their other games, I think Rogue are you know a cut better. I don't know if. I mean, I do think they're probably worth laying this money line actually. I think Rogue's significantly better than Talon. 217 is, like, right on that yes. line, though, of whether or not I decide whether I want to pay it. Like, if it was literally exactly minus 200, I would definitely bet Rogue. Blue side this too. is just starting to creep. Worth noting. Okay, so I keep bringing up blue side because – not because the win rate is sky high in this tournament, but because I do think it's stronger on this on this this in this metagame. Uh, I'm not saying, like, the blue side team has a 60% win rate every game because that's what blue side win rate is right now or whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I do think blue side has a, an advantage right now. So that's why I keep bringing this up. I just wanted to clarify that for people. So, Josh, now that he's joined us again, hopefully he hears us. Yeah, I can so hear you. Now that he's joined us again, we kind of put the test again, like JDG against Talon plus 445. Yeah. So one thing I, I was trying to mention before I, I cut out, uh, I go in with the intent to bet almost all the underdogs in spots like this, right? But I do oftentimes wait until I see the draft first. And what I'll do is, uh, you know, I have things I like in the draft, similar to like what John likes. If you see a high CC team comp or a, high, a good team fighting comp, um, if, if they fit that criteria or if it's even remotely close, like if they don't just get completely draft utopia or like, uh, like completely destroyed in draft, then I'll usually throw. Um, I will say like JDG versus Talon, like I'd rather, again, like I'd rather just pay, I'd rather bet them against Dan in most cases. And, and, and in most cases, we're also talking about betting a quarter unit. Yeah. So like, I don't want to mislead. Like, we're not talking about betting full units here because, obviously, you know, your expectation may not actually be positive there. I will, I will say, as a funny a side note to Josh talking about his strategy of betting the big underdogs, which I generally agree with, uh, a funny little side story. A very rich friend of mine came to me last year and said, hey, I want to do some betting for this upcoming EU Masters. Do you have any picks for me? 
and I said, yeah, the odds are way out of whack. Like, oh, there's so many underdogs that are like plus 400 or so. And you should just literally bet every team that's plus 400 or better, no matter who they are. He said, okay. And the teams that were plus 400 or better went 0-16. <laughs> and he lost, he lost all the money that, that I had to bet on the U Masters. So it, it can't go the other way, but I generally agree with the strategy. Yeah, again, that's like you can't be results-oriented that way either, though, right? Like, just because it happened that time doesn't mean, like, maybe you rolled in the bottom percent of the range of outcomes for that, right? Like, more often than not, you're going to yeah, get no, like two I, of those. I think it was the right if you watch the games, it was right. Like there were tons yeah, that were close and stuff way. like that, but it became hilarious and meme worthy that they lost every single one. Um, Josh, you lane two seventeen yeah. on Rogue against Talon. Talon get blue side. Uh, I would consider it. Yeah, that's kind of where we were at. I, I think Rogue are enough better. John was kind of on the fence. You're on the fence, Chris. Yeah, I think the I. I I was thinking so hard on the odds, and it looks like it came out just in that like uh, point for you, right? Yeah, I agree. What I'll actually do is just wait until Talon beat Damwon, and then I get Rogue at like plus one seventy, or like plus, I mean, like minus one fifty, minus one seventy, and then I'll just hammer. So, uh, look, that's the other, that's the other point. <laughs> if the underdog gets their one win, I'm done. Oh, yeah, you just use out. <laughs> <laughs> Pump and dump. Get out. Hitting quit it. Yeah, there we go. Hitting it quit. That's the name of the episode. I gotta write that down. <laughs> um, we got the. I guess the match of the the day for that one is is gonna be JDG and Damwon. JDG getting plus one forty six against Damwon's minus one seventy five. I, I didn't take either side of this the first time around. Uh, I passed the game because I thought – I do think Damwon's better, but it, I wasn't going to lay the money line on it, and it's grown. I'm going to be on JDG 100% this time, like no question. Yep, pick of the week. Yeah. Pick of the week. The, yeah, I mean, the, the first game, Damwon destroyed them, but there was a level one invade yeah. that went wrong, and they played Jace did, which is just like you might as well just – Just for the comparison game to Jace did, JDG were plus 127 the first time around, so you're getting a lot more – Yeah, value. it's interesting – I don't want to waste too much time because we've been on this, but it is interesting to see how the books are reacting to things. Because like you said, Sunning was plus money against G2, lost, and is now minus money. Yeah. Which is just interesting to see how the books are adjusting based on the first matchups. I would be interested to see what that looked like before G2 lost this morning, though. I could probably pull that up. Not right now, but I could probably take a look. Um. Yeah, I think this is just JDG value. I think if you think these teams are remotely close to 50-50, I think all of us do, right? Like, I like Damwon more, but it's it's a 50. It's a 52-48, 51-49 kind of situation. I think JDG are really good. Just take the plus money. This is one of the best teams in the world getting plus 146. You don't get to see that very often. Um, Day 7. Group C on Saturday morning, we get a banger to start off with. We get TSM plus one fifty one against Fnatic minus one eighty two. Um, I really hope TSM just lose, so we don't have to go through some like redemption <laughs> story of like, oh, can they do it? Oh, they might make a comeback. Like, oh, this is the second week TSM. I just don't want any of that. Just lose and just be done with it, and then we don't have to worry about TSM anymore. The frustrating thing is, I feel like. They didn't perform well. Like I thought they performed, honestly, like close to their floor. I thought they were very bad in the first week in general. I thought the one game I'll I'll give them the pass on because he just like hard lost a draft. But like I like to think that they're a little like they're better than we saw this week. I think even even 
John, you're like the biggest TSM hater there is. Like, they're better than they were this week, right? I'm not saying they're going to win a game. Yeah, no, they're better. They're, they're better than they were this week. I thought Bjergsen in particular has had a tough looked, week considering how good he was coming into the tournament. Does he look like he's overcompensating? Kind of he's overplaying really, really hard. Yeah, I agree. Watching Bjergsen, and I know I've mentioned this in the Discord, I actually think he is getting destroyed by the fact that there's no pain. Yeah. Like, the way missing these things that he never misses, I can't think of anything. Like, it's not going to – maybe it's ner- – like, it could be nerves, but, like, I don't think it would be nerves for a guy with, you know, that that much veterancy. But, like, watching him, like, if you go back to, honestly, like, their – was it their first game or second? Whenever he played Zillion. Um, if you watch him, he gets a full wave under turret with Zillion, and he misses, like, five straight last hits on creeps. Now, look, I know, I know, Zillion is impossible to farm on, but the reason Bjergsen's good on the champion is because he's mastered it. And if you watch it, he's missing by milliseconds. He auto-attacks, like, literally, like, ping difference too soon. And I'm actually wondering, like, I watched him today, perfect flank on a Baron play, immobile carries, no flash. I think it was... It was Senna. Yeah, Senna had no flash. Yeah, on LeBlanc. And he just goes in and misses his chain. Completely misses. And, like, I don't I don't know. It's like the only – and maybe he's just playing bad. Maybe he is, but I don't know. It seems like he's just, like, the ping or I'm something. Kind of yeah, you want to do, like, a deep dive look at this to see if that's a thing. Because like, I, I, it's probably – it, it could be a little bit of both. It's just a matter of how much of each is playing into it. But, yeah, I, I don't – I do think part of it is just he's overplaying and he's forcing a lot of stuff that – uh, that that first game against Fnatic was so weird. It was so bizarre. Like they weren't that far behind. Broken Blade, Broken Blade screwed up. Broken Blade screwed up really, really hard at level one. Just got destroyed by Volibear, right? He screwed up really, really bad. Got a gank to bring it back to even, and he didn't really miss that much XP. So the lane was back even again, and he's playing like he's down like a full item. And then like after that. They made a sick pick in the jungle, like a good collapse, to like get themselves back to like close to even. I think they were down like a thousand gold or something, like not that much, right? Like, yeah, if you know, you know, hypothetical like vacuum or time chamber or whatever, yeah, like I think like Fnatic had the better comp in that game, like for late game, but like it was close, it wasn't like a decided advantage, right? Like it was just gonna come down to executions, like maybe slight edge to them, and that's it, right? TSM were playing like they couldn't win the game if it went late. And I don't know if it was just, like, nerves or what, but, like, they just – I don't know, man. They're, they're, it's weird. It's weird to me. Like, it, it feels like – and, I like, I should criticize this because this is a skill that good teams have is evaluating where you are in a game. And maybe they just don't have a good sense of that or maybe it's just off – off. It's, it's out of whack right now. I don't know. Did you, did you see Douglas' interview today or no? I didn't, I didn't – I don't remember it off the top of my head. I probably was. Oh, okay. He, sp- he specifically talked about this today, actually. He said, like, we've been getting into fights and, like, we can't tell if it's a good fight or not. And we don't know what our problem is right now. He's like, we're, we're just kind of a little bit off. Um, and everything, he, like, you know, people are going to think he's trying to make it sound like not, a, you know, not as bad as it is or, or whatever, but it, it kind of checked out with, with reality to me. Um, he was saying, like, you know, they're getting into fights and they're just getting, they're feeling a little bit yeah. lost. Of understanding, like, is this a good fight for us? Can we win this? Are we supposed to disengage and get out? Like, we don't know. And, you know, I don't know what they need to do about it, but I do agree that it's, uh, 
you know, it, it's something that's plaguing them at this at this. Point. I think it's an interesting. Uh, that's kind of something that gets lost in translation when you're watching as a as a viewer. And if you got to remember, as a viewer, we get to see the gold totals. We they get to see the CS totals, but we get to see the gold totals. We get to see the purchases when they happen. We get to see who has what on cooldown. These players aren't omniscient, right? Like they don't get to know all that. They see the CS numbers. They can obviously have a general feel for where they are, but some teams are better at that than others. Some teams know exactly the turning point. It seems like like they just have a really. This is what T1 have always like. SKT have always been good at this. SKT seemingly always know exactly where they are at any given point in the game, no matter how crazy or how standard it is. They just always know exactly where they are, like where they stand in terms of power level, what we need to do when a fight at this point, whose cooldowns are down. It seems like they just always know. And some teams struggle with that. And I don't know if it's just because they're not tested on it as frequently in NA, but TSM, something's up here. So I tend to think we'll get at least a little bit of regression. That doesn't necessarily mean I think they're going to win here. I think Fnatic have looked better than I thought they would. So I'm trying to look at what the number was the first time these two played. It was, uh, where are we at here? I got to find it. Someone riff. <laughs> We had oh it was so Fnatic were minus one sixty seven so up about fourteen cents. I, I mean that's probably about right, right? I don't want to bet it because I'm so invested in them just beating them <laughs> so that I don't have to worry about them anymore. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think it's kind of cl- I, I'm I'm intrigued by Fnatic kill spread. I'll say that. I think TSM look kind of funky, but it also wouldn't surprise me to see them come out, look good in this game and then like lose the next two, you know? So I said it before and I, I'm just going to will it into existence. What's going to happen on uh Saturday. TSM is going to go three. No. Okay. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Here we go. Uh, follow me. Follow, follow with me. LGD is going to go on three. Fnatic is going to go two, one and Gen G is going to go one and two. Where will that leave us? Well, TSM and Gen G will both be three and three and have to play a tiebreaker. And we said it. Double lift will forget to flash. <laughs> Gen G kill in the bottom lane. And double lift won't make it out of groups yet again. Listen, all right? I'm just falling through. The stage is What's set. The script look? You got the okay. script over there? Is that what it is? It, <laughs> is this it? It's, it? We got the script right here. It's, it's written on post it notes. <laughs> the script is TSM loses this game and then. Lena leaves and becomes the GM of some other organization because they want double lift, and he goes over Flat there quest. and becomes a shit show. And there's a lot of Reddit threads. That's Fly the, quest. The, that's the, the, the next scandal is going to be the Fly quest. Fish are dead. What happened? Who didn't? Who didn't <laughs> feed the fish? Um, LGD plus one fifty three against Gen G minus one eighty five. LGD get the blue side this time around. So interesting case of one team looking very good. One team uh, to me underperforming by a pretty decent amount. Do you look at this as a, as a, as a correction or do you think, do you look at this more as a, you know, kind of a regression both ways or I kind of think there's going to be, a, I think there's kind of going to be a regression for Gen G and I think LGD is just playing really well right now. If those teams played at the end of today's slate, I would take LGD, but something tells me Gen G is going to come out with, normal compositions after a couple days off here and they're going to look way way better i think i I don't think lgd is going to look worse like i think lgd has been playing good but about what i would expect of them maybe a little bit better man you and i remind me exactly i think they're gonna come out and play normal stuff and win this one so chris what do you think on this one i like genji yeah i agree this is gonna be genji's one win on the day 
<laughs> uh, well, I guess we're all in this together. I, I, I do feel like the, the off days will help team reset, and that's big because they've been playing day after day after day, and this is... Um, if Genji needs to fix their issues, this is it. Or if Genji decides to play real League of Legends instead of trying stuff out, this is it. Um, I like the number, though. It's so tempting. Yeah, you have to think of it this way, too. I mean, Genji already accomplished their goal. Um, they did make it so I didn't win King of the Rift. So their oh, goal is accomplished. And now they can go back to doing you know the stuff that they should be doing because they've accomplished it. Oh, man. Yeah, it's like Genji is up against John TSM. I, I All just these teams have ulterior motives. It's like, like TSM plus two sixty nine against Genji minus three forty five. TSM get blue side this time around. Genji, no kill spreads. I don't think it matters what side Genji, they get. Kill spreads, including parlays. Genji smash. Yeah, okay. TSM money line. Thank you. Fair enough. Makes sense. You're, at least you're I consistent on your, your thought process there, Josh. I, I, I told you, I have my story for the day. I know exactly what's happening, and I'm betting it accordingly. The, 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 the storyline parlay? Yeah. Can we do the storyline parlay at the end? Is that yeah. going to be a pick of the I'll week? Yeah, yeah, I'll just do the parlay. I don't, I, I don't want to do anything else. Fanatic, plus 100 against... The six-game parlay? Should I do the six-game parlay every hour? Let's say it, the, exa- the exacta. The storyline exacta. Uh, Fnatic plus 100, LGD minus 120. Uh, weird. I like Fnatic there. Um, yeah. I, the, the thing is, I don't even think LGD, like I said, I don't even think LGD is going to like quote-unquote come back to Earth. I think they're just playing decent, solid, well, but they're just up against teams that I think are better than them. And This I think is a really weird situation because I think LGD... <laughs> it's going to sound weird coming out of my mouth saying this because like, I'm the biggest LGD hater there is, but like... So Fnatic were minus 161 LGD or plus 121 the first time around. Fnatic were being way overrated. I think LGD were being a little underrated. But I also think Fnatic have played really, really well. And LGD have also played really, really well. So I think, weirdly, this line's probably where it should be. I, I still think... Man, I don't know. I, this is probably a pass for me. It's probably Fnatic or pass. I, I not, No sides really speaking to me here. I, I, I think this is pretty close to even. Probably just take the underdog, whatever it happens to be. I would hope to get a better number on this. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes, but I think more than likely... I think this is more likely to go, like, toward Fnatic than the other way around, right? I think the I'm money will come on Fnatic. Go ahead. Yeah, no, same thought. I think um, I, it's either Fnatic or no bets. That one's that one's intriguing. That's gonna and that, honestly, that's probably gonna decide. I mean, that's gonna lock somebody into quarterfinals, probably, unless we go by Josh's story. LGD get minus two twenty two against TSM on a plus one eighty two. LGD get blue side this time around. We know where Josh stands. LGD wins to complete the 06 for TSM. Damn, we have way too many narratives. We're the narrative cast now. It's been decided. <laughs> We're changing the name. And give it to LGD yeah, as well. I, I like LGD no bet. spreads, probably. You're probably going to be able to get like a five and a half, six and a half on this number. If you can get a five and a half, that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. I would take that. Josh is eating this up. He's loving it. He's with... <laughs> uh, Fnatic plus 153 against Gen G minus 185. Gen G get the blue side this time around. I'm probably going to be on Gen G. I, I think... 
This group is the hardest yep. one, right? It, I'm on the Gen G three yeah. zero for for Saturday. I think they're yeah, going to sweep it. Any uh, any fanatic backers here? I mean, I uh, like. <clears throat> I just don't see it. I, I feel like Clid is a Yanko style jungler. With, I, I, maybe I just am not as educated on his history, which very well he, could he be the case. But way. I feel like yeah. he's more of a supportive style jungler. Um, and I just I think the self made gap is real right now in this group. Um, and maybe maybe I, that's I like self made a lot. I think he's on par with these guys. I don't think that. he's that much, like I don't think he's better than any of these guys. I think he's just on the same level. You think? Hmm. I think in this metagame, self made's yeah, better. Maybe. I'd give you that. I don't, I mean, I'd give you that. Yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to say that self made's not better. I just think, better. like, I look at the whole... I mean, self made's yeah. good. He's very, very good. I just, yeah. like, I have a hard time seeing the, you know, what these two guys have put together this entire season and saying either of them is that much better than one another. I think, I'll give you the, the self-made in the current meta is probably a little bit better. That's, yeah, I'm not saying overall. Yeah. I'm I mean, saying even one of the best players at any position in the world for the last like three or four years. So it's pretty hard for me. If that's a yeah. pretty tough barrier to crack into. Hey, I mean, Faker disagreed with you. So yeah. what's that say it's about your I could see backing fanatic here. If you're not, if, if you think Gen G don't get it together, I could definitely see back fanatic do look good. They look really good right now. So I could see it. Want to move on to group D. Let's do it. Last, Last group of the day. Of the day. Um, FlyQuest plus 483 against Dragon X minus 714. FlyQuest get the blue side for this one. This is a big, big number. Okay, so the angle here, like, the angle here, A, obviously I'm betting FlyQuest. Or I, I'm on the side of FlyQuest. But the angle here is, like, honestly with the blue side is they just get the first yeah. pick one, right? DRX, it, you know, DRX has the ability to ban it, but if not, then they just get a first pick orange. What's interesting and, is the Korean teams have been. It's so weird to me because Korea, of all the regions, you would think they don't want to play against orange just based on how the majority of the league, the teams in the league play, not not the teams that are here necessarily, but the rest of the league. So they know what they're getting into with orange, right? Look at this. I know it's it's moving ahead a little bit, but this is just so intriguing to me. So FlyQuest. Let's make sure I'm like miss. I'm reading this correctly. UOL is only plus three sixty eight against DRX, where FlyQuest yeah. is four eighty three. But then when FlyQuest plays UOL, FlyQuest yep. is a favorite. That's right. How weird is that? So the the book, yeah, it's the book thinks that UOL is more likely to beat DRX, but less likely to beat FlyQuest, who's a favorite over them. That's very it bizarre. Makes sense, right? I'm very interested in how they're pricing. Doesn't it kind of make sense? I mean, how we, we tend to look yeah. at Unicorns of Love as just like. They're a wild card. Like they're weird. They're just gonna play weird shit. Yeah, it's very interesting that the that the book is pricing yeah. that way. That's not how I would. Think yeah, that they, they would don't usually price, price this kind it. Of stuff I would. In. It's usually just a flat number. It is what it is. Yeah, Elo yeah. system type thing of who's better. Usually, very yeah. interesting. It makes sense to me to just take this four eighty three, take the six fifty eight from UOL, take the five thirty five from FlyQuest against top, and then just book yourself oh, like a it. minimum one point eight unit win if yeah. any of them win. That just makes a, big, a lot of sense to me. Lines. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, kill spread for this is going to be gigantic. Probably, 
uh, what did we say it was for? It's going to be like eight and a half, probably. I could see. I mean, Dragon X aren't exactly like the bloodiest team either. Like they don't cover. They have, they didn't cover kill spreads at at that good of a clip this season. So I think the kill spreads definitely in play for FlyQuest too. I, I'd be more interested in that. We're doing the same thing we did before, which was like a three quarters, one quarter kind of situation. FlyQuest was honestly pretty likely to beat them today if Ignar didn't just like yeah. go absolutely yeah. ham in that one fight yeah. by the dragon. That was that was wild. That was a weird. Yeah, FlyQuest. That was a hundred percent winnable for them. Like no question. That, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's yeah, a chance they end up losing anyway, but like it was fifty fifty until that happened. I think or close to it. Um, UOL plus six fifty eight against Top Esports minus one thousand. We are in the four digits now. So as wild and weird as Unicorns of Love are, like we've kind of seen when they get put against like the the actual world class talent in this that they're they're struggling, right? Like it's even the games where like they've been chippy and I, what I do like about this team is that they don't they go down with a fight every time. Like they're they're very good at identifying when they need to take a shot, like when their hail mary has to be. They're very good at that, and they've actually kind of caught a couple teams sleeping with that. But to me, this is one of those ones where it's like at some point you just look and be like, okay, like I'm I'm not looking at this as a UOL win. I'm looking at how close this is. Like, our top just going to – see, top today looked like that under was going to hit and the kill spreads were going to hit also. And then, like, they kind of screwed around for a little bit, got caught, and then it, it uh, suddenly was interesting and, uni- and Unicorns covered, right? And it went way over the total. So Or they didn't cover, but it went way over the total. So it looked like they were going to keep it close and maybe cover here. Do you think top are even better the second time around now that they've kind of got a feel for these players? Do you think it's the opposite? I think worse second time around. I think they'll, they're they're going to be pretty comfortable now, and I think some of the underdog teams are going to be willing to take more risks. So I think they're, they'll actually be in a worse position to win the second time around. I do think for it's me. weird that they're not going to get counterpick. I kind of like counterpick in the in the nothing to lose spot more than blue side, but I mean they're going to counterpick anyway. That's what Unicorns does. They'll find ways. Maybe we'll see the gadget Heimerdinger. I don't know. It's it's a big number. I'm I'm gonna be on probably on the unicorns kill spread for some amount for sure because it's gonna be double digits. And top top actually did not cover kill spreads at a good clip this season. Uh, they did the the other day was the first time they covered a double digit kill spread the entire calendar year. So yeah, they 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 die yeah. a lot even when and then winning. a lot of their wins are just like kind of clinical like you know sixteen to nine kind of wins like they're not ugly but they're just trading up all the time and is what it is. They're like a less bloody version of G2. So, yeah, I don't know. Unicorns plus 368 against Dragon X minus 400. We kind of, or minus 500. We kind of talked about this one. Dragon X get blue side. That one feels like the one I stay away from because the 368 number is just not nearly as good as those other three numbers. And it seems like a similar type of matchup. Frustratingly, this is kind of the spot where you, you kind of want it because, uh, Dragon X sometimes lose to themselves, so you're a little more intrigued, but you don't get as good a number, so it's kind of priced in a little bit, right? Yeah, you could just take the FlyQuest side at yeah. plus 483 instead of taking the UOL yeah, at 368, I think. I think. a little bit better. FlyQuest plus 535 against Top Esports. Chris and Josh chime in whenever you got anything on these, so I'm just kind of flying through them because we're running long. Sorry, did you say things with a, a four after a plus yeah, sign? Huge fan. I got to see the kills for oh, this one, too. I don't have much to say. <laughs> Kill spread on this one is FlyQuest top. What are we at here? Oh, this is dropped. I oh, know it hasn't. It's where it's at. 
Kill spread on this one is ten and a half. I'll take fly, I'll take FlyQuest. FlyQuest are chippy. I'm a fan. Oh, there's a fan, there's a chance just three six nine just destroys Solo <laughs> in ways that we've never seen before, so we don't know. Um, we got a narrative street since we're on the narrative podcast now. The Mar- like, narrativeville. What solo domination game would hurt John the worst? Because that's what's going to happen. You know, like, what's the game where Solo could just hard smurf and carry? Cause it's the just, revenge you know, game against like, Boss, dude? League of, League of Legends just exists to troll John's takes on Yeah, it's, it's the revenge game against me, Jelani. Don't give it credit. Boss, like it's boss and John, the double revenge narrative. Is it his birthday that day, too? We got to look into that, too. The birthday narrative. What was the other one? What was the, what was the football player with the grandma narrative this year? I can't remember who it was. Chris Godwin? Oh, it was, one of the... One, no, it's Ty Hilton. It was Ty Hilton. Yeah, it's a big number if you're interested. If you're doing that. Uh, Unicorns of Love, plus 106. FlyQuest, minus 127. The rematch. Slightly further apart this time around. Uh, <laughs> Unicorns get blue side. This is this is a prime UOL yeah, spot like for me. They're, they're both going to be eliminated here. And Unicorns of Love is an ideal, we are already yep. eliminated team. They're, they're the perfect team for that spot. I'm they're going to play Heimerdinger sure. and then like Ash mid and Soraka top. And some. Oh, yeah. It's going to be something like that. The and they're going to win. As a, as a salute to, to what's his name from Out of Sox Luna. Oh, hey. man. I, I actually like Unicorns. So, here. so, here, so, so here's the problem, right? So, John, if I, if I have John pegged correctly. He's got TL going one and two on Thursday and TSM going zero oh and three on, on Saturday. Is that correct? Oh, no. It's setting up. Here we yeah. go. Wind it up. Yeah. Wind so, it up. So FlyQuest, FlyQuest is NA's last hope at leaving on a good note. <laughs> and thus they're going to smash. It's so simple. Come on, guys. Uh, they're going to put in a body bag. NA's <laughs> winning like two games total the whole time. So. Oh, this is setting up beautifully. I gotta take out a second mortgage and take hit hit unicorns on this one. I think. <laughs> yes. Last game, uh, the rematch from this morning. Uh, not this morning. Yesterday morning, I forget. Uh, Dragon X plus one seventy five. Top esports minus two thirteen. So, the first time around, this was like a very. This was a weird draft from both teams. The first time around, this was the game. If you guys don't remember, Is this it? was the game that had um, deft. T- picking Draven into Senna with Tom Kench available still, which is not a good look. And then we also had the uh, Doran playing Quinn. And what was the other one? Nocturne, 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 Nocturne mid against Chovy. Against Chovy's Twisted Fate. When they explained that Nocturne, I actually realized oh, yeah. the brilliance of it. When they explained why it's yeah. a good counter pick, that makes so, so much sense. But I will say, do we have to worry about CV Max and this habit of doing this crazy stuff whenever they're up against anyone who's a favorite against they them. They didn't do it in playoffs. Like, it, it's, it really seems like almost like a huge percentage of the time when the other team is a favorite, the CV Max teams just bust out completely weird stuff that we haven't really seen from them before. Like, they're giving up before the game starts, there you know what I mean? Like, to that, we gotta do like, something crazy. There hasn't been enough of that domestically for me to kind of think that. Like, there's been a couple situations, yeah, I see what you're saying, but, like, that was the Griffin problem. 
Well, yeah, the Griff. Well, the Griff Griffin had other issues too, but I, I think I don't know. I don't know. I took Dragon X the first time around, and I said I was going to take them this time around too. I think this number is. I think these teams are closer than this. I do think top are better, but I I'm, taking, I'm taking well. DRX. They get plus one seventy five. They get blue side for this time around. I can't see those drafts being as weird as they were the first for both teams, by the way. And I think if it's a more standard look for both, then I think it's a pretty close match. So, yeah, one seventy five. So, so knowing the what we discussed way early on in the show, how would that affect a handicap? So, like, what what did you say the difference was from the first time around? Was it like fifteen points? First time these two played, it was top esports were minus two thirty eight. Dragon X were roughly the same number, one seventy three. Yeah, so like, would you still handicap these two teams the same, knowing that mid lane has less impact on the game? Okay. I, the thing you got to understand, I, I the thing that you guys also need to understand is that I think I think Piosik, as he's a rookie, and we saw some of that come come to manifest. Yeah. But this meta game is absolutely perfect for him. These are like his five best champions. I was very interested to hear the broadcast today say. Pioshik is like the known weak link for this yeah. team. I definitely did not think that was the case yeah. at all this year. I thought Pioshik was great, and he's been awesome yeah, this tournament as well. I think he's the second well. worst player on the team for what that's worth. Yeah, I, I just had never heard anyone, like, even if he's one of the weaker players in the team, I had never heard anyone be like, Pioshik's what's holding this team back. He's not like, sexy. Nobody. That's the thing. Like, he's not he's not one of these, like, insane, savage playmakers. He's got a really good lease in, but, like, th- literally his five best champions are the five best champions in the jungle right now. So... It, I, I mean, Lily. I guess you could make an argument. How could anybody be the best at those? But like, that's his style. I'll say the other four because Lily is up for debate. I guess because it's fresh. But like the other four champions right now, like Graves, Nidalee, Lee Sin, Kindred, are like his namesakes. Like that's what he made his. That's what he got a job on. Like he's really, really good at them, and he's been really good at them. Um, yeah, I think the mid lane thing is interesting. I don't think Dorans as bad as people seem to think, just because of how that worked out. I mean, people are overreacting to that today. I don't think Dorian's as bad as people think either. So, I think hmm. Carrie is an absolute savage. So, he's got a lot to learn too. I know, did you guys see Peter Dunn's uh, whole thread about some of the stuff, like just the game sense kind of stuff he was talking about with him today? It's good. It's a good read. You go check that out. Yep. It was um, a good read. Yeah, I don't know. I just think these teams are pretty close. I think Topper are better, but not this much better. So, I'll take Dragon X this time around. Alright, pick of the week. Yeah. The uh, just just quickly wanted to say Doran's actually the best. What did you say? Oh uh, yeah, he's the best player now because he played the tree. He understands. Yeah. He understands the power of the tree. <laughs> Correct. And he's got an item named after him, right? <laughs> um <laughs> listener pick of the week. I'm gonna I'm gonna die roll this and then you guys can go ahead and figure out who wants to go first on these. I'm going with JDG plus 146 against Damwon. I think that's disrespectful to JDG there. Oh, yeah. I haven't been able to pick one that I like. Uh... Josh, if you can have one, go ahead. I'll do the listener one. So I did the die roll, and mm-hmm. the listener pick is going to be from the same one we got a question from. So out, ga- out Gaucho Loco 3 
takes Dragon X. He put plus 160 against Top Esports. I'll give him the Gold Card Podcast number of plus 175 uh, against Top Esports on Sunday. Uh, I'm just going to run it back. I hit G2 minus 147 versus Suning, so I'll take G2 minus 114 versus Suning. Write that in there. Right, I'm doing it. It didn't work out the first time, but I'm doing it just for John. I'm taking TSM plus 151 against Fnatic. TSM plus 151 against Fnatic. Okay. And you guys took... The first of their 3-0 yeah, day. I, like to yeah. ones. I think you guys taking all the good ones has been a good good omen for me because I've been killing it on Pick of the Week this year. <laughs> so maybe I should let people pick first from now on so I have to go further down the thing. The inverse confidence model is strong. It's strong. Never forget about the inverse <laughs> confidence model. Um, give me Liquid against Machi. Minus 175. Because I think you guys literally took three of the ones I was going to look at. I'm, sur- I'm surprised you guys didn't take the – neither John nor Vince took the UOL versus FlyQuest. That's a good That is a good too. bet, I think. I think that's reasonable. Maybe I want to switch to that thinking. Thinking. <laughs> I also kind of like Rogan's Talon. Uh, give me Liquid against Machi. Liquid minus 175 against Machi. That's my pick of the week. Uh, last week, I hit on Rogue minus 175 against Talon. Uh, John missed on Dragon X against Top. Going back to the well again this week. I'm with you. I'll be I'll be there with you on that one. TSM plus 126 against Fnatic was a miss by Chris. Josh <laughs> hit G2 against Sooning minus 147 in that absolute wonky game. You need to watch that, man. And then TSM minus 108 against LGD was the listener pick of the week in that whiffs, but that was also kind of a strange game. So on the year, that moves us to a grand total of plus 8.2 units. We are 58 and 58 on the year. I'm 20 and 10. John is 13 and 17. Chris is 8 and 19. Josh is 11 and 8. And the listeners are 2 and 5. So listen. What was the total for the year? Two units on, I don't know. I don't Jesus know however many, whatever the, what's 58? Jeez, right $2 million? It's a 14% yeah. so. We won't Let count you. my unofficial loss on the Detroit Lions <laughs> because I thought that game got canceled, so I didn't play any DFS. If, if it didn't get canceled, I would have lost so much money playing Detroit defense in like every lineup, but it got canceled, so I didn't play NFL DFS at all because that was my only reason so. for playing. Was to put Detroit. So we got lot. a cool. Uh, I, I got a cool idea for a segment. We won't do it this week, but I have an idea for it next week, and we'll, we'll go into it next week. Uh, we got to come up with a name for it. But the the idea is going to be about numbers lying. So we every week we want to find a statistic uh, or something that's misleading, and we're going to talk through it. I think that could be that could be. A I fun. have a good one. Yeah, if you got a real good quick. One, go for it. Yeah, real. I one I noticed this week, and I talked about it a little bit in the Discord. Machi's death per loss. Uh, originally, when I looked at today's slate, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to slam Sunning because Machi has a 19-point-something death per loss. And I went back through their their league. They have, like, five losses to J-Team, all with, like, 28, yeah. 29, 30 death. Ooh, and all the rest of their losses are, like, yeah. really low. Oh, yeah, they're all, they're they all liars. J-Team losses where they die, yeah, like, Argent, 30 times. Argentine there. So, yeah, there we go. A long stat yeah. for you there. We got to come up with a name. Maybe I'll, they have to come up with a jingle or something for it, too. It could be fun. All right, I think that's going to be it for us. We've run pretty long this week, um, as usual. 
Uh, second round Robin's coming up this weekend. We'll be active on the eSports Department Discord. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We've been slacking on that. But the more you guys rate, review, and, and share this stuff, the more visible it becomes to us since we're not one of these big you know, corporate podcasts or whatever. We're the, you know, an independent group here. So make sure you're you know, leaving reviews, good, bad, ugly. I will read every single one of them on the show. Uh, that's something I haven't said in a while. I just wanted to re- reiterate that for everybody. And until next time, enjoy the second stage groups. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on the Esports Department Discord. And we will see you guys all next week. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode. Oh.